Welcome, everybody. We got another episode of Lifestyle Medicine. Today, we've got Michael Bovier. So, Michael, thank you for being here. Thank you. Michael is, um, boy, you got, you got a lot of things to your title. I'll let you flush <laughs> these out fully, but uh, I know you're a massage therapist, Chinese yep. tonic herbalist. You're an author. So, just to give the, the listeners a little bit of a larger framework of uh, what you do, why don't you tell us what you do first, and then we can get into the good dialogue and the, the questions that I got for you. Nice. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. By yeah. the way, it's uh, I'm really excited about this. You um, bet, man. Yeah. You know, it, I think I, what I found in, in in people ask me that question all the time. What do you do? And I think the more appropriate question is like, what don't I do? Right. Enough, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, in life in general, um, you <clears> know, <throat> I kind of created myself to be whatever I'm needed to be. Right. Yeah. And um, so if I need to fix a car and I don't know how to do it, I teach myself how to do it and I do it, you know, or whatever the case is. Um, but um, but relevant to today's day and time and what I do most, you know, I, um, I, I've been a massage therapist, licensed massage therapist for 15 years. Uh, I've been doing it my whole life, but um, definitely uh, was a calling um, that I didn't even know I had, to be honest, you know. Uh, and so I've been doing that forever. Um, and developed a bunch of my own techniques and whatnot. Um, worked with a lot of different doctors. I wrote several books. Um, I'm in the process of working on um, uh, one that's actually a children's book, right? Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, so I definitely dive into that. Um, but uh, you know, I'm a Chinese tonic herbalist um, through Master Herbalist Ron T. Garden. Um, I've had an awesome privilege of training with him and, and then shout diving. Out, shout out to Dragon yeah. Herbs, right? Yeah. Dragon yeah, Herbs. Yeah. If you guys are not familiar with Ron Teagarden, he is the man in the Chinese tonic herbalism scene. That guy is, his herbs are top, top notch. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about <clears> him you know, with, with, with regard to Ron. One of the things I love about him is that he, he's such a stickler on sourcing. Right. And, and I've literally witnessed him if he doesn't have a, a, a quality ingredient that he's desiring, um, he will literally take whatever product has it or that particular item and just take it off the shelf. And, and yeah. you ask, well, when is that coming back? And they're like, maybe in a month we should have it could be six months. You know, it's like because yeah. he won't take anything that's less. Right. And what I love about that is it fits really in with what I do at foodhealing.org. So I own foodhealing.org as well. I founded that. Um, and I'm the same way. I want the best of the best. That's it. You want I don't want anything. Match, right? Yeah, it's got to be the best. And and for a couple of reasons, you know, um, I mean, I'd happily tell you about how food healing was born because it's, it's, it's really a story of love, you know, which is awesome. Um, but as a result of um, of food healing, it was like I was buying it. I was buying sourcing out and, and buying bulk ingredients and stuff for myself, right? For my yeah. family. And, um, and then what I started to learn over the years is that it's not enough to just have a supplement, right? A B12 or a B complex or, you know, whatever, right? It's, it's about how is it, how is it <coughs> made? Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Right. But even more important, where was the sourcing? You know, there's a lot yeah. of good companies out there that right. I see even to this day that have a good product, right? When you look at it, when you look at the at the the sheet work, it's like, oh yeah, I mean, it looks good. Yeah. And most people stop there, 
some people don't even go there. Some people are like, oh, someone's so said this supplement's good. Oh, great. Well, we'll yeah. just do that, right? Um, but you got to, there's, there's another layer, right? Yeah. You got to dive in, like you got to call the company and say, well, you know, where are you sourcing these ingredients from? You well, know? and so for speaking of layers to, to give uh, the people listening context. So when Michael and I are sitting here talking about food healing, there's a food healing system that, um, you study under out of the CAD book, correct? The Conquering and Disease. Did you start there with that that element? That, that was a piece, yeah, that right? Yeah, that was one of that was a, definitely a piece. A piece that of was it, definitely a piece, yeah. right? So, so but what he's talking about is basically these systematic approaches to food in order to prevent and reverse many diseases, right? Many many things that the American populace goes through. So, this food healing uh, approach that Michael's talking about is this is the infrastructure that he's got that he uses, right, for, for clientele, uh, for your yeah, own. to this day, I still go right. back to that all the time. Right, it's your own personal living style. But there are some key parameters, you know, and we'll touch on those probably during the podcast a little bit. But just so people understand what you're talking about when they say food healing, right? Right, right, Just to, right. to yeah. give context, because for us, this is like common language. But if people are listening and they're not hip to this, it's this, it's this approach through using food essentially as medicine. And there's lots of different ways to do it. But... Um, there's a lot of you know amazing ties to how to do this. So part of this piece, right, what you're talking about is this addition with the food healing system is also the integration of herbs, top yeah. top quality herbs, and technically food and herbs, right, are still under the the same umbrella. It's, it's something yeah, that absolutely. we're in, we're ingesting and we're taking in. So when we're talking about yeah your tonic herbs and you're talking about this in relation to food, yeah, talk to us about a little bit about how you're framing. Um, you know, kind of like more or less, I mean, I know it's a synthesis, but your philosophy of food, you know, food is medicine and then how the herbs fit into that. So we can kind of just give people like a framework to, to plug into. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. The, uh, on a root base, right. Which of course the root is everything, right. <laughs> you know, and, and on a root base, I would say if we were, if we were going to simplify it into one concept, real simple, you know, and then expand from there, I would say, you know, the body is capable of miraculous change, right? Capable of reversing disease, capable of reversing um, injuries, and and I'm 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 a testament to it myself with with major knee injuries and stuff like this, and yeah. and modern medicine saying that I should have surgeries and me reversing it with with naturopathic food healing medicine and herbs and and to this day can do anything that I could do back in my 20s and 18 and younger. You yeah, know? yeah, you know. And, and ultimately, it's give the body what it needs to heal itself, Yeah. right? And so part of that, it's, it's food and it's herbs, but it's also the mental, right? The spiritual, the, you know, it's, you're a whole being. And I think the biggest problem that we have done, uh, the biggest disservice that we've done for ourselves is always separating. My arm hurts this is happening to me and all this stuff yeah. instead of really dialing in on checking in as a whole being where am i what's what am i observing and i being the the all of that is right sure. you know and and then identifying you know sometimes in in this day and age with food right we notice that you know there's a lot of great documentaries out there like supersize me and yeah and yeah matters right all lot. these different there's things yeah you get a lot of good information and some good insights and what I find interesting is when you look at it, you look at the, the, the fast food industry, the candy industry, right, these different areas, yeah. and they're 
geared to provide chemical reactions, right, on a simplistic note, right? right. They, have, they have combined these different sets of chemicals to create a flavor profile that, you know, maybe, maybe if it's um, a chocolate desserty thing, right, maybe it, maybe it inspires bliss chemical or something, right? But sure. it's derived from, you know, materials that aren't beneficial to your body. But it creates an addictive response, you know. Like um, I don't know if you recall, but when the uh, it was, uh, cola, um, I think Coca-Cola, I think went on record, um, and for for how many millions of dollars they spent, yeah, determining what kind of <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. And you know what changed when they did that? <clears throat> What's that? Nothing. Right. Because everyone's already <laughs> addicted. <laughs> right. Everybody's hooked anyway. Right. Right. And but so the thing of it is, is like, you know, so all of a sudden the, the, the point of it, right, is that we, we dial in and we're like, I, I want a, a burger, right? Yep. And, um, you know, I, I, I want a burger and or something like that, you know, or I'm craving a chocolate candy thing or something, right? And then what happens is they go and they eat that thing, but then they feel good for the moment while it's coming in and then they drop out, right? Yeah. Or they go to McDonald's or wherever, right, and they eat that fast food meal, and for that moment, they're satisfied or feeling good, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, it's not. All okay. of a sudden, they drop out, or they're hungry again really quickly. There's a crash. There's, there's a penalty for dialoguing with it in some capacity. There's some, something, right. something not favorable happens usually. Exactly. People right. people go through a process that's not, not particularly good. And the I think like the undercurrent of what you're talking about too is this this basic idea of processing of food. Right? Too yes. too much processing. And I think that you would agree, as with a lot of the healthcare people that I connect with, that the you know, getting the unadulterated, non processed foods into your diet and having that be having your hands in the preparation as opposed to so you know what goes into it is right. considerably more important at this stage in the game than yeah getting you know low calorie low <clears throat> low fat processed foods that you're not touching or making because there's a lot of bullshit in them there's a lot yeah that's exactly right yeah no you really hit the head the, the nail on the head right so many people talk about how they need to um remove you know fats or remove this and it's yeah. like you know everyone always asks me well how many carbs should i get in a day how many calories and it's like yeah there's an importance to that sure there's there's you know if you look at the science of it of course yeah. basic macros yeah yeah exactly but it, i i would say on a simplistic level it's more about what are you putting in it's kind of like breakfast right the mm -hmm. term breakfast is breaking fast you fast all night when you have breakfast is less important as to what you have at breakfast right yeah agreed. um yeah, I mean, there was a doctor I was just I was just listening to just the other day, and she was even talking about it. She was like, you know, the that the breakfast, it doesn't matter if it's at eight in the morning or eleven or two. It's whenever you decide to break from that fast. Obviously, hydration. I tell my daughter all the time. I say, you know, I ask her. I say, well, how long can you live without food? Right? Quite a, quite a while. Yeah. Quite a while. It, you know, they they say about thirty five days before everything starts to really shut down, right? Mm -hmm. How long can you live without water? Way less. <laughs> yeah, it's like four. It's like four days, four and a half days, right? And and then you're then you're in renal failure and everything, right? So clearly, you need water more than you need food. But what do you need more than water? How long can you live without air? Right? Yeah. On average, about four minutes, and mm -hmm. that's assuming 
that you like had a perfect scenario where you oxygenated your body and now you've been closed in and there's no yeah. air and you're calm and steady, right? Otherwise, yeah. it's like some people are like, what? It's 20 seconds, man. I, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> Absolutely. But, and so, but, but the point too with the food is like when someone eats a, a raw nutrient dense meal, they feel satisfied longer and they feel better. Their energy is, is more like a, a streamline instead of a big and then a drop, right? Absolutely. And yeah, and so with that, it's really about check in to your body. What it's about learning what is your body really asking for, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm craving I'm craving chocolate. I am a chocolatier. I love chocolate, right? Yeah. So chocolate is great. Yeah. Like Criollo, Criollo variety cacao, right? Jungle grown, yeah. right? Raw, organic, none of the junk that they put into chocolate. Yeah. However, sometimes you got to touch base. Like, what am I, why am I craving it? Right? Yeah. Is it that I'm craving, am I lacking magnesium? Mm-hmm. Right? Or what is it that I'm feeling that I need? Um, I apologize. I just noticed that my computer is not turned in, and I got turned on, and I got a little buzz. So if I can just two seconds reach oh, yeah. over. Oh yeah, this is this is why it's not charging. <laughs> yeah, do your thing, man. This is the nature okay. of live recording. So yeah, no, I can, I can hold, I can hold the fort down while you do your thing. Yeah, awesome. Okay. No worries. So just to the people that are are listening, so this this piece that Michael is talking about is really important on, in the larger context. This whole idea that we've got. Food as medicine is an idea that is very common in a lot of cultures, but it's not pressed in the West so much. There's a lot of food as calories, um, and, and it, it's broken down into the macros, right? How many carbohydrates, how much fat, how much um, protein. And when we get to this and when we only think of it that way, that's problematic for a bunch of different reasons. It's important to have those things, but we have to think of, of what we would call the energetic profile of foods. So the, the temperature, um, how it affects the body, what organ systems it addresses or helps. And yeah, it's a relevant point to, to think about. Did we get you back, Michael? Uh, yes, I'm having a new um, charger cord brought down for whatever reason. It's, no, uh, no it's worries. Pl- it was plugged in. It just decided it didn't want to work. Yep, so. yep, fair enough. No worries at all, man. <laughs> so I was just saying, <clears throat> as you were, as you stepped away to handle your tech, um, I was just saying that, you know, thinking of this idea of food as medicine and understanding it in that context outside of just blind calories, right? Proteins, carbs, fats. So we'd kind of touched on this, but just to keep the ball rolling, um, yeah, you were talking about how, what people are craving, why they want something, you know, the thing that they're actually wanting from the food. And this points to the underlying mechanism when we eat things, we, we are typically, and this is true for if you want a burger, you might want a load of protein and fat at that moment and, and you default to, your body knows that those, the burger has those things, but there's also probably some other foods you could probably do and get your own hands on that are still going to meet those needs where you're creating it and it's not just uh you know the potential for bullshit goes up tremendously when you're not when you when you're going <laughs> out to get food you know there's there's a lot more variables in terms of what can go wrong so when you're talking about this what are your thoughts about you know when you guide people to eat quote unquote healthier right you you're creating the food you're having hands on in the process you know what's going into your food what do you give where do you start with people? What's your kind of baseline approach to getting people to eat better collectively? Because a lot of people eat like shit. There's a lot of people that just don't. And they're not even meaning to. They just 
you know, they don't have the the background or they don't have the education or they don't understand it or it seems overwhelming. So how, what's a simple way to get people moving in this direction? You know, the first thing I, I, I ask everyone, when, you know, when we do con- uh, consultations and stuff, you know, I ask them, check in with yourself before we even begin, you know, because I have them give me a di- uh, a log of what they've eaten for the last week, right? Mm-hmm. And like how, how deep that goes and stuff. And I ask them, I say, check in with yourself. What kind of person are you? And what I mean by that is, are you the kind of person that needs to be like, I'm an all in kind of person. Mm-hmm. I have to go full in so that I can be successful. Yeah. Or am I a dip a toe in or a dip a foot in, right? Because once we can identify which of those categories you are, some people want to make the smallest of change and see if that, see if they can be consistent with it. See if that, if they notice anything. Yeah. Because they're not sure what they yeah. want yet, right? So we got to identify that. If we know that I'm like for me, I'm typically an all-in kind of person. I am. I am just let's let's go for it. Because otherwise, I give myself excuses or reasons to be able to be unsuccessful. Right. Right. And and I am aware of myself that I historically have been my own worst enemy. Right. Yeah. In, in in that I have a ton of ideas I have a ton of uh, inspirational things and and I start to do them or I or thank you or I as I go through I start to realize that like well but that that little chatter in the background says oh yeah. well you know but are you really that good at it right and all of a sudden it's like well uh, yeah, maybe I'll go over here right yeah and so for me, I'm an all-in. Like, if I'm going to make a, a food change, let's just do it. Let's see what it's like, right? So once we know where we're at with that, then I say, okay, commit to 30 days. Because let's let's face it, if you you could maybe go all day not eating on a regular basis without yeah. even thinking about it. that could just be what you naturally do. Yeah. But the day that you have to go in for surgery, and they say. Uh, Gray, it's it's uh, uh, at midnight. You can't eat now until 8 a.m. Yeah, right. Which maybe you're normally not eating then, anyways, right? Right. But you can't eat, and then you're gonna have surgery, and then after that, then you can eat. There's like this trigger that hits right in your yeah. mind where it's like, holy crap, I have to eat. What am I gonna do? And next yeah. thing you know, you're either ravaging up to that time, or your whole time leading up to the surgery, you're just in torture because you're like, oh, I just need to eat something. Yeah, yeah. So, the, the mental game is real for sure. It it really is, and that's the and that's the key, right? So that's why it's like, all right, commit to thirty days. It's obtainable. It's saying I'm going to do thirty days, and at thirty days, if I decide I don't like it, I'm going back, right? So so I'm not yeah. saying I'm quitting something. I'm saying I'm taking a pause. Yeah. This and this this kind of makes me, you know, side tangent a little bit into just this whole notion of diet, how we tailor diets to ourself, what we do I for that word. Yeah. What we do, what we do for people, right? And how, and how we find it for ourselves. because I mean, I've found this and I know a lot of people, the different types of the styles of eating, there's ketogenic, right? There's paleo, there's vegan, there's pescatarian, there's God knows macrobiotic, there's I mean, you name it. There's so many different types of diets. Some of them fad, some of them longstanding, whatever. But there's so many. And people, I I find that when I work with clients too, there is this, they're always asking like, what's the best diet to get on? And it's a question I'm like, that you're thinking of it the wrong way. I'm like, I can't tell you the best diet for your body. 
there's right. a there's a certain amount of trial and error that I think we all have to go through because a lot of people have never given themselves the space or liberty to explore a diet, or right. they think they they hear about keto, they read about it, and they're like keto. It says it does all these amazing things. It's the diet. It's the one. And they do it yeah. and they might feel amazing. Because it's up in your face. Yeah. Right. And they're like, well, I, f- I feel great. you know. And other people I've seen do it. I mean, I know lots of success people who have tremendous success with keto. Absolutely. And then I have people who do it like myself. I tried keto for a solid four months. I didn't feel good on it. That diet, for whatever reason, just did not. It's too much fat. I think I'm, I'm kapha, you know, from the Ayurvedic, you know, so it was just too heavy. And I yeah. thought most people feel really light and energized. I was like, not me. That was a heavy swamp suit. Just walking right. around. I thought, I feel like shit. This is not going to be the move for me. So I think it's, as you're talking about diet too, it's like there's this piece that we all have to, we have, it's a, a diet is as unique as our fingerprint. I feel like in a lot of ways we have to, man, you yeah. got you to like go through the gamut of trying things. Like you said, 30 days, how do you actually feel? You know, on paper, the theory might be amazing. But at the end of the 30 days, you feel like shit, maybe mentally and emotionally and maybe physically. It's like, why are, right. we, why are we doing it? Why are we, why well, are we sticking with something if it's not really going to be beneficial, right? Right, right. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, right? It's like you've got, um, you know, now in Chinese, in Chinese herbalism, right, if we're going to do Shizandra, right, there's this standing rule of 100 days, right? So you got to plan that you're at least doing three months, right? Absolutely. And yeah, and and there's a reason for that, right? But it's it's the slow build, and you know. So I, I I say you know, 90 days is excellent if you can go for it, but start with your baby step, right? Yeah. 30 days mm-hmm. because it takes 30 days to create or break a habit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, smoking, right? They say seven. They say typically seven days the nicotine's out of your out of your system. Yeah. Right. Correct. But then you've got however long of a habit, right? And in yeah. most people's cases, it's not even that they even liked the cigarette. It was that it was this hand yeah. oral fixation type of thing, right? Some people get a tongue ring. I used years ago. I used to smoke, yeah, right? and um, and I didn't like how I felt on it, right? Yeah. And uh, and yet it was part of it was social, part mm-hmm. of it was um, just looking for an escape, right? Yep. And one day I realized, like, man, I I I, I was attempting to quit, right? Because everything's pauses until you, you can only quit something once, right? Yeah. So I was attempting to quit and I was in my pause and and I was like, you know, the problem is I need something to do, right? And and so I can't chew on my tongue all the time and then someone was like, dude, you should get a tongue ring, right? And I was like, tongue ring? So I started looking into it. Right? <laughs> I got to research everything, right? I'll do that. I, I'll stick yeah. some shit in my tongue. In my tongue, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, to me, I'm I'm a huge proponent and a big believer in chance favors the prepared mind, yeah. right? Learn about what you're going to do, whether it's a lifestyle change or whatever. And so, even in that, I researched the tongue ring, and I did go get one. Yeah. Thankfully, I didn't have one of the horror stories happen. And, but for the longest time, it actually allowed me to become successful at breaking that habit Yeah. because I would just spin the thing in my mouth and, you know, and right. it was a cool thing for the time. I didn't do it because it was the popular thing at the time, which shortly in the time range it became. Yeah. But for me, it was, I had, a, I had a purpose. But it's, ba- when, it's baby steps, getting you baby steps to, to the goal, right? Little exactly. things. So it's back to this piece. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because when it serves its goal, <clears throat> or when it serves its purpose, you can move on to the bigger piece, right. right? Right. And so one of the things I always tell everybody is, like, we talk about dairy, 
right? There's a couple of things that I'm really adamant on besides sourcing, right? It's like mm -hmm. removing dairy from the diet, right? So some people immediately when you say remove dairy, they're, you know, they're, they're either like, bah! you know, or, or they're like, dude, I don't drink milk. And it's like, okay, great. It goes beyond that. You're using yeah. butter. You're using these different things. Now, I used to talk about dairy, about removing it as, as a um, kind of an all-encompassing bad. Mm -hmm. But of course, science would indicate there's in, there's elements where it's not an all-encompassing bad. It's about knowing the details, right? And so if you've got the time Absolutely. to tell them, then you do it, right? So it's like, um, what do we know about dairy? We know that that first and foremost, for, from a simplistic standpoint, right? Um, animals, including cows, after they reach a certain age of maturity, no longer drink the cow, the, the milk, right? Mm -hmm. All species, right? We're the only ones that in adulthood still ingest dairy. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that says something. Two, we know about the calcium and, and the function of the cow's milk and how it's de designed in nature to create sure. to grow a couple ton cow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, but then we have the element of what does it do in us on a simplistic note? It promotes uh, heavy mucus and inflammation in the body, right? From a Chinese herbal standpoint, that, that can wreak havoc on certain organs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so if we know that, then to me, that's enough to already want to be like, all right, maybe I should pause on that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I say for 30 days, just remove all dairy. Look at every label and make sure it doesn't have dairy yeah. associated no, no with extra. it. No extra anything, right? And, and check in with yourself at the end of 30 days. How right. do you feel? That's, now, the other, that's important. It is very important. And the other side is is more of the more research, recent research would indicate that there's the difference between an A1 and an A2 cow. Right? In America, it's all A1 cows. Right? And overseas, there is a type of cow. It's an A2 cow. And what research is indicating at this point is that the people that have – high allergy response to a one cow, right? Don't have that with the a two cow. What That's is, what does that uh, classification mean? A one, a two, what does that mean for people that don't know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's the, you know, it's the, I forget the exact, uh, I don't want to tell you the, the wrong information. So it's a type of classification of the dairy cow. Uh huh. Um, that they just kind of created. It's not that there's not that they're eating any differently. I think it ultimately has to do with the enzyme profile, right? Mm. Meaning, like the A2 cow doesn't have the the casein problem that that A1 cows have. But oh, I know I there's see. a more detailed reason for yeah, it. But no, that's in enough. a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. you know. And what I, mean? just, I just want to give context, yeah, so people can understand a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and there is two two companies I think right now in the states that are selling A2 butter. Mm -hmm. Right now, here's the other thing, and, and this has been the argument that that I mean that people try to have, anyways. And and for me, it's not an argument because I can see the logic in this one side, whether it's a one or a two. Right? There has been an ongoing conversation um, amongst raw foodists and every and you know and vegans and all the different classifications. Yeah. Yep. About how if it's raw dairy then it's better for you. I agree. Yeah. I, I do agree because 
you're, when you uh, pasteurize the dairy or just about anything, right, you yeah. remove a lot of beneficial enzymes, right? Absolutely. Now, the, uh, the other side of that is, is okay, you don't pasteurize it, but it is still full of bacteria and blood and enzymes and that kind of stuff that, you know, maybe you don't want, right? Yeah. Me, I'm totally content without having dairy. I felt amazing after 30 days. That was yeah. my goal. Because giving up the drinking of milk was easy. And I find that to be across the board for most clients. Yeah. Right? That part's easy. It's the part where the foods that they're eating that they realize, oh, my God, that's got that's got dairy in it, right? Um, 100%. Well, and this is a nice – let me interject here because this, yeah. is, this is really interesting. And this illustrates the point beautifully. So Michael is talking about – right? Dairy. A lot of people consume dairy, right? It's a big piece of American culture. So this is interesting because I, I come, I was kind of, you know, what we would call of this lineage, you know, of like, of, of non-dairy, you know, and recently as of about a year ago, you know, my family has a lot of thyroid problems. And, you know, if you look at the lot, this is, this illustrates the point we were talking about, right? How many different ways you can approach diet where it's like, it's often true for one person is not necessarily true for another. My whole family has thyroid problems, right? Thyroid problems exist on on my mom's side for sure. Um, you know, my aunt, thyroid, my cousins, my mom. And so one of the things I found this guy, Tom Brimmeyer, who comes from the Weston Price School of, school of you know, Knox. And, uh, you know, he was saying, look, you know, not all dairy is created equal, but for, there's a certain, there's a certain function in the body, right? When the thyroid goes out of whack, the liver goes out of whack, there's this like, domino effect of bad things that can happen he's like now specifically for the thyroid deficient person dairy can actually be the right dairy can be actually very good in small doses to have into your system and i remember thinking like every red flag you know when i read that was like yeah (laughs) i don't know you know i'm like i've (laughs) i've studied this stuff talked to a lot of people it sounds like bullshit but it was one of those things i i tried it um and it was fairly remarkable. My mucus dropped, like it got less when I actually incorporated raw dairy. And then my mom attempted to do the same thing and she noticed very quickly, like the pasteurized dairy would create a ton of mucus. The raw right, right. would like not at all, but she had to have less of it. And so right. there, there's this piece, right? It's like finding, it's like, yeah, because I, I would agree with you. There's a lot of people, a lot of clients when I've actually done their intake and talked to them about what they're eating. I'm like, yeah, you need to avoid dairy. And they're like, well, do you gray? I'm like, no, I actually eat some dairy. And they're like, well, right. what? they're like, what the fuck? Why? You know, like they're very, they're, they're <laughs> almost like, if you're telling me not to do it, why are you eating it? I'm like, because everybody's a little different and you got to, right. you got to find this flow. But I agree, man. I mean, like collectively, I would say at the broad stroke level, most of the time dairy does not like serve people right. collectively. And a lot of it is really crummy dairy that's not even coming from it's not grass fed right it has the a different fat profile and this is what you said right. which i really appreciate you know the uh it's in the details right it's like yeah these little it's things awesome. because when people are like well i drink milk and i feel like shit i'm like that's true but you realize there are some very real differences to different types of milk different types of dairy raw goat cheddar you know is it grass fed is it come from corn right. does it come from gmo corn is it is right. it pasteurized is it homogenized is it there's all these things and this is overwhelming for the average American because we're like, what the hell, right? There's so many things that we have to assess and it, you're almost forced into becoming informed. <laughs> if you want if yeah. you want to navigate this terrain, all of us have to adopt this mind of researching. We have to know the process of food. We also have to understand a little bit about animals' bodies, what they do, like what right. you said, right? It's right. cows, like what animal drinks milk their entire life? Right. You know, it's it's a big thing. And in India, right, that was there's 
um, you know, geographically parts of India that are more vegetarian and they rely on more cream and dairy from the cow. But even they would talk about that. Like when the truly, when you look back to those rhythms in India, they would see these people when they were going through and having dairy, they're like, it's cyclical. There's periods where they have like what you would call a dairy drought because the cows are like not pregnant. So it was like, it was like these like loading phases of dairy when they would have it. And, um, one of my teachers in school used to call, he's like, dairy's liquid meat. You got to think of it. You have to think of it like that. So I like what you're saying because, but I think it's just good to interject. It's like, this is, this is, this is the conundrum, right? That we're stuck with. It's like, yeah, collectively too much sugar, too much dairy. It's not good for most people. And then there's also some exceptions to the rule depending on the person, you know? No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think you, you hit something really good, too, or, uh, just a minute ago, too. You talked about how, you know, how they're not all created equal, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really true statement across the board, right? Yeah. Because if you think about it, not all massage therapists are created equal, nope. right? Or any you can go to a massage yeah. and have, like, your world change. And you can go to a massage and be like, I just can't believe I just paid someone to... to rub my skin or, or I walk out and I'm like, Oh my God. Just a poke and prod, right? You're like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And same thing with the mechanic, right? You know, you've got, and so it's across the board, whether it, whether it's, whether it's your car, whether it's food, whether it's animals, what, you know, there's no one's, there is no, there's such subtle differences. And Mm -hmm. even if they went to the same school, someone could be more intuitive than another. And that can, that can change just a little bit. Right. And and that, that holds true into the food. And I think, um, I think that's why one of the problems in America is that we are all about the quick fix. We're all about the give me that pill. I can't tell you how many people are like, can, you know, I tell them about yeah. Nato, right? Yeah. And and they're like, dude, can I just have a pill? <laughs> like, bro. You're, pill, you know, a pill's so much easier, man. Pill, pill I, is, people are like, a pill's easier. They just want to, yeah, right, exactly. There's no, right. I don't want to put effort into this. <laughs> But then, of course, but then, of course, you get the other side of that, too, where 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 they're like, I take too many pills. I got, you know, it's like, well, there, can I just have one? No, there isn't just one magic pill. It's 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 about the food. Yeah. This body. I think people can do too much. I mean, I have a store. Yeah, I know. You know, and I I've I seen am, your stash. Yeah, it's quite. It's, yeah, it's, man. Qu- it's quite impressive. The, 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 all the stuff you got. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and especially when it comes to the herbs, like my, my morning tonic, you know, some days I just do a real simple, right? Maybe a spring dragon tea base. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and I'll throw some, if I know that I'm, I'm going to have maybe a little bit of a stressful day, I'll throw some Elbizia shen drops in there. And maybe yeah. I want to make sure that I'm have some balance. So I, I always think about, even if I'm doing a simple tonic, I want to have, I want to balance the three treasures, right? Yeah. The, the Jing Chi and Shen. Yep. And, um, and, uh, you know, for people who don't, maybe should I, should I touch base on, on yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was going to yeah. jump in right there because people if, that are not Chinese medicine, people don't know what the hell Jing Chi and Shen are. Right. Uh, we should yeah. talk about it. So yeah, you give your little spiel. I'll talk about mine. And then I want to bookmark just that I have one more question about food as well. So just as we go forward, but yeah, keep going. So yeah, yeah let's talk about Jing Chi Shen real quick. Yeah. So, so I, I simplify the, the concept of Jing Chi Shen in in the um, you know in the in that candle right yeah people the, the you know, lantern it, yeah it's, yeah yeah right yeah and it's like you you have so much wax in the candle right and when the candle burns down right can the candle live right can you keep the flame alive and the answer is no right and and so the idea is the Jing is your life force your life essence right it's your it's your 
uh, reproductive self. It's your emotional centers, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, it's your, it's your foundation. It's your root of yeah. all, Yeah. right? From a Qigong perspective, it's your ability to tap into the yin energy of the earth as well as to connect with the yang energy of the heavens, right? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's your, your Qing. And in Chinese medicine, both food and herbs-wise, there's, um, there's not much in the way of growing your Jing, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of herbs like Hesha Wu and things like this, yeah. uh, black sesame seeds for right. food, right? That can help kind of stabilize the Jing. Um, a little bit to make it to make it more like sipping on it instead of burning. Right, and I, let me interject there just as you're continuing to explain um, what Michael's saying is yeah that's all, it's all Chinese medical theory and one of the things they talk about with Jing is is that you do have to use your Jing to be alive like it, we we have it's there's no getting around this using that reserve we have to use it and when it's gone fully gone that's what we it's death like that's that's right. that's, that's out. So Jing is always being consumed, um, but you do want to be judicious <laughs> in the burning right. of it, and you want to you want to go through it as slowly as possible. And sometimes you can't. There are terrible things that happen in life: uh, accidents, right. losses. Major stress response. Yes, yeah. we have yeah. you know people lose children. I mean, terrible things happen in the world, and when those things happen, your Jing gets hit, and that's just that's the ticket to be in here, you know, in the flesh suit for a period of time. So oh, anyway. Man. You got to use it, um, but yeah, you want to conserve it. So yeah, keep going with with the rest yeah. of your your thing there. Yeah, you know, it's for side, side note to that too is 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 I'll never forget the first day I got my first gray hair. Right? Yeah. I I take in so many herbs and I and I I eat really <laughs> clean. Like I I definitely don't waver. No, no, I, I know. Yeah, you're militant. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and because you know because I really want to see. What could I and I and I always fall short myself, but I really would I'm curious, what am I capable of? If I put all the pieces together, yeah, work on my martial arts, have have good sexual energy, you know, eat really clean, right, um, exercise, stretch, right, yeah. get proper rest, good thought process, right? What could I do? Yeah. Right. And I always there's always something that falls short, uh, you know, yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah, but, yeah. but I'm really mailed it, and and the food I never let slip. I, yeah. I really, I'm. That's one that I'm just like, you know, I'm rooted in there because yeah. I know I feel Staying better. With that. Yeah. yeah, staying with that. Yeah, and so with the chi, so chi is the second mm-hmm. element, right? And so with the candle, you got your jing is the wax, the chi is the flame, mm-hmm. right? And the cool part with chi is that it's everywhere, right? It's the air we breathe. It's in the food that we eat. It's in the it's the wall. It's everything, right? There's different vibrational patterns that they frequent, you know, that they frequent at. And so, like the wall, you could look at the wall in two ways. You could say the wall, I can touch it. It's solid. You could say it's solid because, as a collective, we have agreed that that is a wall, and it just becomes the wall, right? Yeah. So there's that the esoteric perspective. You could also then, from a more scientific perspective, say on a molecular scale. It's chi, it's energy moving at such a slow rate that it becomes solid Correct. to us, but it's still in motion, right? Right. What they're always pointing out with quantum physics, most of the universe is empty space, right? Most right. Of, like in a desk, it's mostly empty space. There's, right. a, there's a few pieces that kind of keep us from passing through it, but collectively right. it's, it's that. And a side note, wait, this is good. We can have, we can have our little sign tangents as we're going through <laughs> the, the three treasures. So when we're talking about chi, right, this is because I work, when I work with people, I have sometimes people who are Chinese medical people, and then I have people who are just 
They, they have no background in Chinese medicine. And they hear the word chi and there's an eye roll. It's like, oh, fuck, here we go. Nice. Like, here we go, chi. Here we go. Like, okay, what Jedi <laughs> trick are you going to pull now? And so it should be made known to people that when we talk about chi, yes, is chi sensationalized nowadays? Yeah, big time. If you go onto YouTube and you look at qigong masters who are doing the you know immaterial jedi moving or right. projecting their hand you know there's a lot of bullshit out there and, and right. then it gets wrapped up in this concept and i think and then it negates the potential of understanding something deeper unfortunately right but, that's true so when we're looking at when we're talking about chi chi it's very difficult to translate e you know when they say chi is they say you know the vital breath energy you know there's some translations but when you look at the radical of chi it's rice with steam and so what that points to is they're saying is that there's there's a material structure to something it can transform and then it can like you know transmute or change and give off vapor or steam so what they're also pointing to when they when you look at the radical for the chinese character of chi is they're saying chi is about a process right it's something in progress transforming and so it's not just like this empty energy it's usually like there's a form usually there's something happening there's growth and that's you know rice by itself you can't just eat rice dry unprepared you have to put it in water heat the water it soaks up the water it becomes soft and squishy and then you can eat it like that's chi it's a process right it's multiple things so what michael's talking about when he says you know (laughs) he's like you know the, the, the different types of chi when you look at Chi can be is so broad in the Chinese culture. They have like, you know, oh, the chi of that person is great. The chi of this food is fresh. The chi of the couch is quite nice. It's it's a, we don't say the energy of that couch is nice. You know, we don't we don't think of it like that. But what they're saying is, it's like, the chi of the couch is nice means which means the carpenters that built it had a good you know mindset. They used the appropriate wood with good colors, and they you know they outfitted it appropriately. And this whole picture. That's cheap. Feels good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the whole thing. It's a process, though. It's not just this empty, you know, woo-woo energy. It's like, no, chi is, chi is about this thing. And then in the body, right, we've got bioelectric current, bioelectricity, right. right? We have the central nervous system, which is electrical in nature, and our nerves pump, you know, electrical impulses. Body's mostly water. We conduct electricity very well. And, yeah, it's right through the diet, food, herbs, mindfulness. That current can yep. be kind of ratcheted up, right? Nerves can relax. The flow is a little smoother. And that's what they talk about having more chi, right? It's not just like right. I've learned from the dark Sith Lord and I have more, <laughs> you know, more yeah, chi. Because like, people yeah. get that and they're like, they're always asking like, oh, are you going to use your chi? I'm like, we're talking. We're using chi right now. Like it's exactly right. we're using bioelectricity to talk, you know, like it's, this is not a woo-woo thing. This is, an, but I think it has to be kind of brought down sometimes because people get yeah. too far out into this mystical thing. It's like, oh, the chi, the chi. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like, we're all used. I, I always tell my students, my Tai Chi students, I'm like, look, you guys, they're like, but do I have chi? I'm like, look, if you have a pulse and you're breathing and you're here, you have chi. Like if right. you're alive, you have it. We all have it. Right. So right. in any case, yeah. Continue, well, and, that, and, that, and that's the funny part too, right? Because, because it's all about the root. Yeah. Qigong, Tai Chi, all that. You can go through in a in a in either right qigong or tai chi it doesn't matter you can go through and have a beautiful form you can have this all look gorgeous and and right and all these pieces and yet if you're not tapped in meaning if you're not rooting into the earth right to really settle and allow that subtle energy and flow to 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 permeate and and and, uh, dance with you right yeah then it's just movements right sincerity of practice right yeah and 
I, I worked with the guy, um, which will tie back into the chi, right? Yeah, I, as we navigate this terrain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Any> side tangent. <laughs> you know, but, but I, I worked with this guy. I, I, he came to me. Um, he used to work at Ab, uh, App Labs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or Ab, Abbott Labs, right? And um, nuclear physicist. Okay. Okay. And this guy, very much in his head. And he came to me to get massage, is how he originally found me as most people do. They come to me when they've got something broken. That's how people end up finding me. I'm not like, I don't, I've never, 15 years, never spent really anything in the way of advertising because I've just always been like, when someone needs what I do, they'll show up, right? And I'll be present to them, right? But, um, so this guy, he comes in, very interesting guy, right? I love, there's something almost eclectic about, uh, about, Scientists, especially physicists, you know, they, they're, oh, they're, wa- they're wacky, very, they're wacky, very interesting people, yeah. you know, yep. yeah. And, and you got to be on your A game too, because if you're not right they're they're just, they're always looking for any way to pick something apart, which oh, yeah. is fine, yeah. you know, because it's like, man, I, I, I like that. You That's know? what they and do. I yeah. Wanna, yeah. So anyways, this guy comes in and some, and I, I had been teaching Qigong a lot at that time and it was, it was promoting the smoothies and, and all this stuff, you know, which, which will side note, uh, with the CAD thing to go back into that yeah. in a minute too. But, um, but so I'm working on him and he, we start talking about energy and he's like, he's like, all right, what kind of energy are you talking about? Right. And, you know, and I was like, well, it's, it's like subtle chi. It's, you know, it's life force energy. You can't, you know, you can't, this is like, this is like eight years ago or 10, yeah. almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so my, my knowledge has grown even more since then. But as I'm trying to explain this to him, like trying to share with him how to like how to identify what it is, I'm like, you know, it's better if I just show you, right? Well, of course, you gotta kind of relax your mind a little bit in order to really tap in. <laughs> Otherwise you're all intellectual and yeah, you know. But so as we're talking, I tried getting him to do something, he couldn't quite feel it, but I gave him enough that he was intrigued to his analytical mind wanted to dive deeper. Yeah. Eventually got him to come and practice Qigong with me. Mm-hmm. Right? And in a short time, he actually felt something. Mm-hmm. Right? And so then we had another discussion about Qi. And he, and he explained to me that there's four types of energy. That modern science ha- is, there, there's no argument anymore between, between religion and, and science and esoteric right it, yeah everyone agrees energy exists right yeah it's just in science they have it classified as four groups right yeah and and you know on a molecular level all the stuff and so he's going through the, the the three that are kind of commonplace and then then he says now there's this fourth one and he goes i can't we we don't know what it is we know that it exists but we can't quite put our finger on what it is or why um he said, he said, but I'm going to keep diving into this Qigong, he said, because I think that this is it. And, and, and he said, what we're calling it is miraculous energy because it just manifests, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't understand why. But so I checked in with him because um, he had moved from one lab to another in New Mexico, I think. And I checked in with him some, some couple years later. And he had told me about how the uh, tapping in on a daily practice of Qigong and stuff changed his life and has actually made him a better scientist. Yeah. So this is like a sidebar because he's kind of tapped into it. Yeah. Yeah. Because he found his root in a way. You know right. I mean? Well, and I think, I, I think it's just opening the mind. Um, you know, 
in my in the first podcast in the first episode we talked about this we talked about emotions a little bit and we were saying these immaterial things where are emotions technically yes are they inside of our body yes we would we, we conceptualize it that way but they don't have any material form and yet we live a lot of our lives based off of emotions right there's a lot of that we do right. they don't have right. any, they don't have any form but we're actively making decisions off of them i mean they drive a huge piece of our life so i think it's a way to think about it too is is that that the immaterial has weight in our experience, right? It has weight in our life and those kinds of things. So, um, but just to, to to reel this back in a little bit. So this started with you talking about herbs, right? And we're talking about Jing, the herbs that touch right. that, Qi, which are this little tangent, and then the Shen component. So we can tie up this piece of the three yeah. treasures, and then we can you know we can circle out again. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So so. Just, just to, to tie that chi part in together real quick, the, the ultimate piece of it is that if you're eating foods that are nutrient-dense, yep. you're getting a lot of chi. Yes. You're doing breathing practices. You're getting a lot of chi. Yeah. Even if you eat less than good food, mm-hmm. you're getting some chi because it's still energy. Yeah. It's just a matter of how, how low quality it is and thus yep. how much it gives you, right? Right. And and the point of the chi is that if you can if you through diet, right, and 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 hydra- you know, hydration all the stuff, if you build strong chi, then that's one of the ways that you sip on the jing, right? Yeah. And you and you help keep that longer yes. because it'll it'll burn bright. Um, now, so then the shen. Shen is the light that the flame gives off, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's your your higher self, your connection to spirit or source or whatever anybody wants to. It doesn't matter. There's no religion, anything to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's your connection to something more, right? Um, it's ironically enough, people would think, oh, it's it's up here. It's the light that's coming off of here. You know, they they say people that are really balanced in the three treasures and have strong shen have really bright eyes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the sage masters. You know, you look at the whites of their eyes and they're always bright. You know. And, yeah. And and there is some truth to that actually. When you when you ingest a lot of herbs and and you do Absolutely. these things, your eyes yeah. do get brighter. Yeah. Some days I might be tired and they're a little darker, but most sure. days I mean, they kind of glow. Um, that being said, the shen is actually seated in the heart. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and ironically enough, you know, some some people are like, oh, but you know, all like you were talking about with the thought process of everything happens up here, you know. And it's like, well, no, you could be brain dead and live. You could survive, right? Why? Yeah. Because consciousness yeah, is the here. Heart. Right. It's the heart. It's, it's, what, it's, what, it's what we are, came here to be. Our yeah. intellectual is actually what gets us into trouble. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about, um, about the, you know, the thoughts going on. And uh, uh, Prince uh, Ia said it really well the other day, actually. I, I was listening to something he said. And he, he talked about... Um, Basically, said something that I actually have been saying for a long time, but said it in a really nice, eloquent way because that's what he does. Yeah. And uh, and he said something about that uh, we are we observe our thoughts, but we are not our thoughts. Yeah. Right. We're in this body, but we are not this body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I really like that in a lot of ways. I often refer to um, you know when I'm trying to teach meditation, we talk about the internet, right? Mm-hmm. You can't shut off the internet. Yeah, it, it's a living, breathing organism of itself, right? Yeah. In its own way, right? And and so, how do we shut off the internet? Well, we don't. We shut off the screen that allows us to view the internet, right? right? Okay, so same same holds true when we're trying to meditate. 
we, you know, or, or reach that higher state of Shen consciousness, right, mm-hmm. through meditation or whatever to find that center point, um, the thoughts that are always going on in our head, that voice that we hear, right, hopefully it's just the one, maybe it's five, I don't know, it depends on the person, right, yeah. but, but that voice that's constantly going on, sometimes it's encouraging you, sometimes it's bringing you back, you know, they always yeah. talk about the two yeah. you know, right. things, right? Yeah, the angel and the demon, right? You're right, you know. But the thing of it is, is, is we observe those thoughts. It's like the it's like the internet superhighway constantly mm-hmm. streaming. And ironically enough, some of our creative processes come from that. But the goal is not to try. You know, people say, "Oh, the the, the key to meditation is to silence your thoughts." No. Okay. Yeah. Disagree. Get in position. Sit down. Relax. Silence your thoughts. What happens? The first thing that happens is your mind goes. Yeah, you know, yeah. like triple time, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like saying you can't eat until until after your surgery. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, man, I need to eat. I'm starving. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so really, it's about not trying to resist or shut it off, right? It's more let the screen come down, right? Close the screen. Become present on one focused thing: the breath. We need to breathe more than we need uh, hydration, more than we need um, food, right? Mm-hmm. So, focus on the breath. If we're trying to do meditation, maybe we're doing a slow inhale, right? Expanding at the belly, really yeah. diving into that, right? And then that slow exhale. Before you know it, you're lost into that meditation because you're yeah. not worrying about all the chatter because the chatter just becomes white noise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this and it's this third piece. So like what Michael's saying, you know, I this is like these are all kind of points just we're, you know, circling around this concept of the Jing Chi and Shen. But yes, the, the analogy that he's using, the one that I've heard too, is that the, like a kerosene lantern, right? The kerosene, the liquid at the bottom is the jing, right? The flame is the, the chi and the light that it gives off is the shen. And so what we're looking at with these three pieces that we want, they call them the three treasures because we're supposed to pr- protect these aspects of ourselves. Right. They are pivotal in the expression of our life force and our longevity. If these things go out of whack, especially jing, right? right. Um, if that goes out, then you're really you're really in trouble. But this is the idea that these three things are, they're protected. You understand how they work, right? How we interface with them. So some of the background that Michael's you're giving right here around, you know, thoughts, the consciousness, the immaterial, right? The chi that we actually breathe, the food that we eat, and then just the stuff that came in, we came into the world with, right? From our grandparents and our, that are in our, in our bones, in our genetic material. So all these things we want to protect, but um, let's circle back to that, man, the herbs. So you were saying, you know, in the morning, right? You've got your tonic herbs that you're getting. Right. You're getting into your morning ritual. You're trying to protect these three things. The beautiful piece about Chinese medicine is that obviously, Chinese uh, herbalism, where it really shines and where it's really beautiful, is that it it classifies herbs by their function. Right? The Chinese spent thousands of years being like, these herbs do these things. You know, it actually protects Jing. We figured out that this one protects Jing. This one helps Qi. This one is good for Shen. So. You know, Chinese herbalism is its own universe. But when you when you're doing this in the morning, Michael, and you're you know you got your routine and you're like attempting to protect these things right for health and longevity, what are some of the the accessible uh, go to herbs that you use and that you think are pretty good for people? Because people that are listening to this are like, some of them are like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? There's you know right, right, this is like right. ch- crazy Chinese medicine stuff. Right. But at the practical level, right, of these things that. Um, yeah, let's talk about like adaptogens, you know, a little bit about what they do and then the herbs that you use and why you use them. So give us, give us a little framework on that because then people can plug in and be like, all right, you know, they can Google some things and look up some stuff and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, I think one of the herbs that's super important, right, is astragalus. Yeah. Simple. It's cost effective, mm-hmm. right? It's not a very expensive one. If you're going to get the actual astragalus, is a bark, mm-hmm. right? And you're looking for um, a nice yellow colored bark with white striations mm-hmm. coming around for the rings. When you buy it from Tea Garden, from Ron Tea Garden at Dragon Herbs, though, that comes it comes in a pill form, correct? So, so you can do it a couple of ways. Okay. Um, they have a pill form, um, but it's not just straight pill form. They have a uh, it's it's a um, it's a stragglers combination. So it's a stragglers with a couple of the herbs. Okay, it's excellent formula. Um, but they have uh, a stragglers ET, and Dragon Herbs did a great thing with with the with making these ETs in that it's a powdered, um, whatever the herb is, stragglers in this case, right? And you can just pour it in water, hot, cold, doesn't matter. It dissolves instantly. Yeah. So it's a really cool concept, and the way that they did it using modern science retains a hundred percent of the plant, or in yeah. this case, the bark's efficacy. Right, right? and um, and that's huge because there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot like you like we said before, right? There's there's not everything's created equal, and so there's a lot of companies out there selling this, that, or the other thing um, that that aren't good. There are companies selling the straight astragalus bark. Right, mm-hmm. that you can just steep and make your own tea with, and and the cool part with that is you can make multiple pots of tea, right, with it. Yeah, well, and um, you're, and you're pointing to which I want to just interject here with the the yeah. the, the importance of how an herb is cultivated, so yes. profoundly important because what Michael is talking about is another piece of not just Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, and these other um, you know what we would call like the older medicine traditions. They take into account. Um, how something is prepared because they are seeing the plant as interfacing with the natural environment. So right. cool little quick story on this. Um, there's a guy named Heiner Fruhoff, who's a world-renowned scholar in Chinese medicine. He's amazing. He, he lectured at my school a few times. He's got a school out of Portland. Um, he's a sinologist, so he can like read radicals. He's fluent in German, Chinese, English. The guy is just a wizard. Very useful, you know, yeah. But, but, he's, <laughs> but he's brilliant, and it's all classical Chinese medicine, like truly classical, old school and so one of the things he came and talked to us at school once, and it reframed the way I understood herbs and the importance of cultivation was because he said this. He goes, futsa, which is one of the hottest herbs, okay, and it's actually aconite. It's actually considered, it's a mushroom, slightly toxic, right? Some slightly toxic things can be very good for us. Right. So he said, but yeah, a lot of times people will take futsa, right? Um, they'll, they'll have it in a formula, and they have all of these crazy heat signs come up, right? Their, their faces get red blood pressure goes up and we were all like how can you be so liberal with the use of futsa when we see all of these problems that arise from using it like we rarely use it and he's like he's like look everybody he's like i know you guys are all students but i'm going to break this down you're thinking of it wrong and he goes futsa has a very specific cultivation process he said futsa traditionally okay classically was planted on winter solstice when basically in nature you're at peak yin, which is the soft, right? The receptive, the watery aspect. It's peak yin. Everything is resting and it's like winter solstice. And then he says, you plant it on that day. And from each day forward, yang, right? The activity of nature, spring is coming and then eventually summer. He's like, from that day forward, the plant is accumulating the natural yang, right? The natural outburst of nature growing and moving and getting more for spring. And then fully when it matures at summertime and that, you know, summer solstice, Mm-hmm. He said, the herb is planted on winter solstice. It grows all the way, and then they pluck it out of the ground on summer mm. solstice on that day specifically. 
And he said, uh-huh. so what the plant has done now, he says, is it's basically soaked up this intelligence from the natural world. It's basically like a bio rhythm imprint. You know, that's what it's done. He said, now the futsa, that herb, it's only innate intelligence at, at the like alkaloid level is just to know to grow with nature and, appro- and basically build yang healthy and then to stop once things are at their like full peak. He said, so you have to treat the herb like a personality in nature. You're tending into it and you're, and you're giving it like a life cycle so that when it gets into someone's body, it behaves appropriately. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. I was like, that's it. Like that's, he talked about that's one it. herb and we were all like, so why aren't we learning this? Why, why is that not talked about it you know, in, in, in the larger context? So it just points to this, this, this piece you're talking about, right? How things are cultivated. So yeah. incredibly important in the larger context. So I didn't mean to sit side tangent you too much, um, but you're saying no. But that 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 that's why that's why that's why sourcing is so important. That's yeah. all you know. And and with Astragalus, they there's a lot of companies like if you go to Chinatown and you're a white guy, right? Yeah. And you can't speak Chinese. Yeah. Right. You go in there and you say, I mean, Astragalus is a kind of an easier one to go with, right? But you know, there's other ones that they really kind of work on you yeah. on, but. But if you go in there and you, and you want astragalus, a lot of times what you'll get is astragalus that was chemically dipped or, or, or sprayed in such a way to have it have the colorations that you're looking for. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and as a result, then you're getting – it's kind of like with, with – um, like you were talking about with traditional Chinese medicine and stuff, right? You yeah. have, you have um, what's called inferior herbs. And then you have medicinal herbs, and then you have tonic herbs. Mm-hmm. Right? Tonic herbs are generally considered safe. Medicinal herbs need to be monitored. Inferior herbs, um, if ingesting, are definitely need to be monitored. But a lot of times, they they contain a lot of chemical byproducts, or or the or the sourcing is horrendous. They didn't follow the proper cycle. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like having ginseng that that's that's too young. Right. Right. It's if, not good. If, right. It's not good. Yeah. yeah I mean, it can good. harm the body in, in no, such ways. It does. Yeah. I mean, and that's why Ron Teagarden's lineup is so amazing. And people are going to like dabble in this. Right. I say like he's the guy to explore for, for tonic herbs because he does it so well. Ron, T, Ron Teagarden is just that guy. You know, my hat's off to him. He he sources well. Um, he knows his, you know, his his lineage of, of herbal knowledge is good. It's incredibly good. He knows what he's talking about. So. Let's go back, Michael. Yeah. You take astragalus in the morning. Yep, right? So astragalus. And, and that's a that's a cheat tonic. That's one. That's a cheat tonic. Um, and then give us the breakdown of, of the other herbs you're taking in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a side note for anybody who's watching this that's in like a colder climate, one of the cool side effects of astragalus it promotes uh, your wei chi, right? Which uh, think of it like your external armor, right? You know, mm-hmm. like a thin layer of external. Yeah, you know, shield, and and it it boosts that. So it, one, it helps with your immune system, but but two, um, it'll help warm you up. Before I started learning any of the uh, you know breathing techniques, you know like Wim Hof style and things like this yep. that I started uh, dabbling with years ago. Um, before that, I learned about astragalus, and I started working with astragalus. And I was a guy who wore. I can't tell you. I still have them. I just because yeah. I got to figure out who to donate them to. But I, I was buying a new jacket every year, right? Yeah. And the, the, the thicker the better, right? You know. Yeah. And and of course was doing a disservice to myself. But astragalus, all of a sudden, I started taking that, and I was noticing I was warmer. Yeah. 
And the cool part is, is tonic herbs like astragalus is a double direction. So if you're already running hot, some of you might be like, oh, I shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm already hot. It doesn't work like that. If something's high, it'll bring it down. If right. something's low, it'll bring it up. In my case, I was really, my spleen yeah. and everything is really deficient. So I needed to come up. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that, that's the term that we mentioned before. But what he's talking about is the adaptogenic herbs. They regulate um, they're what they call stress regulating herbs, basically. So it's it's yeah, if your body's running excess, it will bring you down. If you're running deficient, it brings you up. So they have this harmonizing, balancing thing that they do, which is why they're so good uh, for for various different reasons. And just to define that key point that um, Michael just said for the people that are not Chinese medicine people and giving context to the, the mainstream Westerners here, Wei Qi, this idea, um, it, it's this. It's basically like this membrane between your skin and muscles. And the way you can think of it, they have this idea in Chinese medicine that the body is permeable, right? So emotions can penetrate from the outside into us. Uh, the the external world, heat, dampness, wind, those things can penetrate us, which is why if we go outside and we're we're naked and wet and we get cold, people can literally catch cold. This is the idea <laughs> that like things can penetrate through the skin. So astragalus is one of these things that they say it's it's almost like it sort of shrinks the pores and tightens the skin so that your body is a little more defensive to the external things in life. Things yeah. don't come through. So we don't have a concept like that in uh you know in 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 the west. The only way I can tell people to think of it is um in hyperthermic training, right? If they jump into cold water, the pores they get tight yeah. and they close down and that tightens the way chi, right? It contracts it. If you go into a sauna, the pores open and open dilate and you sweat and you dump fluid out. And so this idea, right, is that, um, yeah, with like astragalus, it's one of these things that said to improve that membrane, you know, to make it a little stronger, to make it more, to make it more efficient. Um, did you touch on the Jing herb you take in the morning? No. So we so, talked about yeah. astragalus first. We talked about astragalus okay, first. Okay, so that's a great one. I figured one. that's a real simple one for, it is. you know, okay. and, and they are coming out with just like a little drop in. Yeah. It's not available yet, but I, I think yeah. that they're, you know, launching it next month. Don't quote me on it because whenever they decide to launch it is when they're going to do it, but they are creating an astragalus tincture. Oh, cool. That's great. That's like a, that's like a little VIP knowledge there. Yeah, nice. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be cool because then, then you got your astragalus portable and stuff, yep. right? Um, all right. So, so yeah, so astragalus. Um, now, Again, I was talking, you know, we're talking about some simple items, right? Me, yeah. I have a tendency, I have a, I have a plethora and, yeah. and just the some simples. days yeah. I just throw them in, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But Heshawu. Heshawu, yeah. It's a great Heshawu one. is great. Yeah. yeah. Big, and so people that, people that just so, to give you guys the spelling on that, it looks like he show wu. <laughs> so it's yeah. H-E space S-H-O-U space W-U. Huh. Because in, in pinyin, the e is a uh sound, so it's ha, sho, wu. But that's, yeah, so people, if they want to look it up. But keep going. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I love ha, uh, ha wu because it, it's, it's got, you actually feel, like you can feel, oh, I think I, did I freeze? Oh, it's okay. It happens with the, with the, the magic yes. wonders of Skype. Yeah, the audio can keep going. You'll, you'll probably okay. pop back on here in a minute. Don't worry about it. But okay. the people, people watching YouTube are just going to see you frozen in space for a second. So it's, yeah. it's, all, it's all good. It's it'll, per it, perfect it, picture to stop. Yeah, on it'll, too, right? pro it'll probably unfreeze at some point. So no worries. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, when you take Hesha Wu, you, you, you feel it. You know, you can feel yourself become, um, almost fortified, I think is, is a good way to say it, you know? Yeah. And, 
it really is great for the kidneys, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, uh, a major Jing center, right? Yep. And so Heshawu can, can um, uh, they say that it'll help keep the hair black, you know, like black hair black, right? Or yep. dark hair, you know, help keep the pigment, you know? Well, and you should, and we should note, right? Heshawu is jet black. Like it's dark, yeah. tarry looking. It, it's got the yeah. pigmentation of dark black, you know, so. It does. And you know what's funny? I'm, I'm sure you can totally attest to this, right? When it comes to Chinese herbs, my first experience with with Chinese herbalism as a whole, right, which exceeded beyond tonic herbalism, it was medicinal purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was I was boiling herbs, and you know, and I had gone to a, a acupuncturist, and they had given me this pouch of herbs that I had to make, right? Yeah. And man, talk about making your house stink, right? I oh, mean, yeah. it was oh yeah, woo, you know. And the first time I tasted it. Um, I was like, you know, this, this pouch that I had to do, I was like, oh my God, this is horrid. It tastes as bad as it, as it smells. Right. Yeah. And, but I was like, I invested this money. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. And I started doing it by day three. Cause of course you, you re, you reboil the same herbs you know, two yep. days in a row. Yep. And, um, and so by day three, I all of a sudden found myself craving it. Now, Next thing you know, I started feeling better and better and, and all this stuff. Now, thankfully, um, with the knowledge on Chinese tonic herbalism stuff, I, I no longer need um, all of the uh, excess of yeah. having to do it the old school method, right? I can take certain pills or I can add the tinctures or, or add the powders and, and make and, – and, and then I take it on a whole other journey and, and make them taste good, right? Uh, add cacao to it or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but – I find when you, especially, especially when you need an herb, a tonic herb, Chinese tonic herb or whatever, um, like Hesha Wu, you find yourself when you, when you take it in, your body says yes, right? And, yeah. and you almost crave it and it brings a nice flavor profile to it. And Hesha Wu doesn't taste that bad anyways. Um, it's, no, it's, it's pretty it's, mild. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. Mild. Um, but Hesha Wu, I think, is a great one that's generally safe for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really can make profound changes. Um, you know, the 100-day rule, I think, really holds strong with, with Chinese tonic herbalism. Because the number one rule in Chinese tonic herbalism as a whole, right, is compliance. I think you that's gotta, the biggest thing. You got to take them, right? You know? Herbs don't work yeah, if you, you gotta, don't take them. Exactly right. And, and taking them... Um, today and then and then i'll remember in a couple of days it, it, it doesn't work like that right you gotta yeah. influx you know yeah yeah that's um, right that's absolutely right yeah you do have you do have to take them <laughs> like like most things and yeah that the chinese have this idea that when you're practicing um a new practice or taking a new herb you want to give your body a hundred days essentially to absorb the practice right. or to absorb the medicine so that it's really inoculated and they also say there's something in there it's built into that number when you do something for 100 days regardless of what it is right a new habit a new diet a new herb uh your body is forever changed and has a very real definitive relationship with it from that point forward so um just as a side note when i was you know training um martial arts really heavily in my in my 20s there were practices within the Chinese spectrum that I would do for a hundred days, you know, these plyometric exercises that were really good mm-hmm. for the body. And I would do that. I did them, you know, I did it once where I did a hundred days in a row and I can say, you know, definitively my body was forever different as a result. Yeah. Like I had, 
there was an innate understanding of the movements, right? Because you've just practiced them for 100 days in a row. Exactly right. And then your your tendons, right? Your, your tissues kind of change and they get stronger and better. So this idea of 100 days is really good um, to, to, to keep in the dialogue as we're talking about this. Yeah. So Yeah, because I think it promotes real, real change. Um, another really good herb to do, right? Um, I, I would say for Shen, I have two major ones that 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 I think are really important. And I'll say why. The first one is reishi, right? Wild yeah. reishi, Donwood reishi, uh, um, you know, purple reishi. They're, yeah. they're all really good. Purple reishi. Inst- oh, there we go. I'm You're back. back. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> for those people watching YouTube, Michael was frozen in time there for about three minutes or four minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, with with reishi, uh, you really can't go wrong with any of them, right? Yeah. Um, reishi is a shen tonic. It's it's for the heart health, right? It, it yeah. works with blood. It's it's excellent, and you will notice a difference. It's part of the cancer protocol in the CAD book that we were talking about before, right? Taking that in to help cleanse the body. The, and the CAD book that we're referring to, everybody, is conquering any disease. So yeah. that 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 book is. Um, yeah, it's a central central access point for a lot of the food healing stuff that we're we're talking about. There's a lot of good stuff in that book. Yeah, it really is because you know what I think. I think just just to give proper result to that to that book, I guess real quick is what I what I think I I've you know just like you right. My my education's gone way beyond what that book is. But what I love Same. about yeah. that book is that it takes a lot of information yeah. and condenses it down to here's what you need to know. You know, kiwi. Here's what you need to know. It's got more vitamin C than you know than an and it's orange. All, but... It's all within like a page too. You know, it's right, not, yeah, it's, a it's little not section. a it's not a dissertation on the foods. It's like here's kiwi. It's packed with vitamin C, and studies show that it helps with asthma. If you have asthma, eat kiwi, and you're like, right. oh, great, cool. You know, it's a, it's such a baseline. It's so straightforward. I think for yeah. the mainstream person, it's it's like sound bites too. You know, it's like anyone can read a half a page or a page yeah. about something. And then as soon as you're getting bored, you're like, oh, on to the next food, right? The next, on to the next thing that's amazing it's for exactly you. exactly right. Yeah. And then and then if you're finding yourself really intrigued by something, then then there's the cited material where you can go deeper then, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which, it's, it's all referenced, right? Especially the new editions, right? They have all of the scientific literature. So it's not just, I think that was right. one, of the, one of the gripes in the first editions where people were like, well, are you just saying this or is this actually, right. you know? Yeah, right. So yeah. So the new ones, there is that... Um, the, the citing of the sources, which everyone can reference, which is really cool. So we've yeah, got, so, um, so it's a, it's a great little, it's a great little yeah, one to go with, but, yeah. but with Reishi, it's, it's really, I mean, my daughter's grown, my daughter's now 10 and she has been having Reishi since she was a baby. Wow. That's great. Now some, <laughs> some people would be like, how are you giving herbs to your kid as a baby? Look, Reishi's awesome. It's yeah. safe. My kid, if I can give my kid that edge, she's had astragalus since she was a baby and she's had reishi since she was a baby, wow. period. Yeah. You know, and that kid, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I, I, anyone who sees her is like, right? Because reishi, if you take a tincture of reishi, it's, yeah. it's, it's rough. It's, it's not great. It's strong. It's not great. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not like, woo. Yeah. yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's definitely not. Yeah. It's like, hmm. That's, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I'm taking my medicine. I'm taking you know? my medicine. That's for sure. Yeah. But my my daughter will now. I, I guess to clarify for 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 those who are listening, you should still take reishi because if you put it in a tea or you put it in water, it it the dilution effect it actually brings on a nice pleasant flavor. Yeah. But taking it direct is where it's like, oof. and and my daughter will all, every night or I mean, every morning take it direct, right? Yeah. Two three copperfuls every morning. Yep. You know, she says it's one of her favorite flavors. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Which I think brings a valid point too with, with food, right? Yeah. I can't tell you, I hear all the time from people talking about my kid won't eat this, my kid won't eat that. And who am I to judge anyone's parenting thing, right? Yeah. But but at the same time, I would like to say we have taken on the job of guiding, yeah, right? To protect our children, to guide them, to have a better experience than we've had, to learn from our things, but learn from them not because we're saying don't do this, don't do that, but yeah. from observing our actions. Yeah, right? absolutely. I'm a yeah. huge proponent of, of do what you say, say what you mean. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I think, and you're pointing to this thing. Uh, you know, I've, I've I hit this with my clients too. People will say, or or just even friends of mine, saying, you know, my my kids won't eat this. They don't like this. And you know, I asked the very simple, fundamental question. I'm like, did, are you making it taste good? Does the food right. does the food actually taste good? And they're like, well, I mean, it's just steamed broccoli. I'm like, well, steamed broccoli by itself is, I mean, you can eat it, right? But is it, it's not particularly enjoyable. I said, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta like season your food. But I think if people don't know how to prepare food, they don't know how to cook, even at a basic rudimentary level, boy, one of your legs is really chopped out. And that's why I'm always, I'm always encouraging people. I said, even if you don't love cooking, you don't need to become a a Gordon Ramsay, right? You don't need to become an elite chef, but you do need to have your baseline understanding of, of cooking, I think, just to prepare food and to make things tasty, you know, basic seasoning. Yeah. Otherwise, kids won't eat it. I mean, there's a real simple truth. Um, you know, yeah. my daughter is two and she eats, I mean, everything, but I also make the food very tasty. You know, I was lucky yeah. to have cooks as, you know, they weren't professionals, but they just loved to cook. So I was in the kitchen all the time and it really makes a difference. She eats all the things that other kids don't eat, cauliflower and spinach and broccoli. She's all about it because I cook it with things that she likes. I season it. I put a little salt in it. You know, I use it. I use use ghee. I use some coconut oil. I use, I make it tasty, you know, and that's, that's relevant. Well, it it really is because, you know, um, I mean, that's, uh, I, I want to make sure that I, that I tell you that other herb, but, but I, but I don't want to lose this thought too. You know, foodhealing.org started before it became foodhealing.org just mm-hmm. when it just the change of the lifestyle change in my in in my world yep. right started out of love yep right i had been a martial artist since i was 5 i had done tons of different supplements i've lived all these different lives i ate like crap right yeah. i i you know i did a lot of stuff um i have a strong constitution so i'm able to uh, i really can go eat all that junk and and yeah and you know, minus the long-term effect problem that, that would occur. It's not like I uh, was having all these dietary things that were happening right then that forced me to stop. Sure. It was an understanding when I started to learn. You know, I started with smoothies before I found the conquering disease and stuff. I already had a blend tech blender. So, yeah. which actually, ironically enough, led to when I found that, I was like, oh, you must know something because he's doing what I'm doing. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Let's see what's going on here, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, but it was born out of love because when my youngest daughter, um, before she was born, I learned a little bit more about nutrition and health and wellness. And I thought if my personal journey is is wanting to see how good I can become, I already, no matter what, on one point of view, now I'm I'm gonna disregard this statement because I don't believe that there's any restrictions in life. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say this for the for the principle. Theoretically, I have already on a cellular level created some. Uh, I don't like this word, so, but I can't think of a better one right now. Um, some damages, right? Yeah. That may or may not be repairable 
because of my previous, you know, however many years of everything else, right? Um, and I thought, man, so I may never really actually see what I could become. But what if I helped this little child who is coming into this world right, right. to me, has picked me to be the dad, and I have the ability to learn. I have the ability to figure things out. Why should I not give her the best chance I can? Yeah. And so, yeah, that means that I have to take more time away from things that I might personally want to do or experiences I might want to have. Yeah. But I committed to being a parent. That's the job. Yeah. Right. You know, and until and you never you never don't become a parent, but there's comes a point when they go right. off and do their thing and then you get a little more time to be a little more selfish. Right? Yeah, right, right. This is not for and, a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so so I immediately started, you know, um, at first I, I removed all meat because I I didn't have access to grass fed beef. And when mm -hmm. I learned about what they do to meat, I was like, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. No. yeah. yeah the, the industry, I mean, mainstream meat production is a pretty scary it's very scary. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, and, and as a result, but then I quickly realized, like, okay, I'm not going to be a vegetarian either. That's That wasn't yeah, going to cut it. doesn't you know? work for me either, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and especially because I had two other people already in the household that were used to eating a certain way and were yeah. kind of like, you know, um, what are you doing? You threw right. out our peanut butter. You did, you know, what are you doing, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah right. You're killing and, me here, Smalls. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, you know. And, um but so what was really cool, what started to happen is, of course, you know, as the baby's a baby, she was breastfeeding and, and this. And um, I did interject uh, stragglers and stuff into that in a, mm -hmm. at an early stage. Um, but as we started to make the baby foods, we made the food. Mm -hmm. And I, I will just say to everybody listening, if you have a baby on the way or you know someone has a baby on the way, it really – it's all just about a little bit of extra planning Making baby food is easy. It's very simple. Yeah. It's very cost effective, mm -hmm. right? And so stop feeding the beast. Just, you know, there's yeah. tons of recipes. That nowadays, there's so much information easily obtainable that, you know, it's really uh, heavily simplified to be able to pull it off. You it know is. I mean? Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. It's it's very doable, especially with the with the internet age, you know, where, where everything is at your fingertips. I mean, yeah, there's, there's resources. I mean, it's very doable. I mean, anyone, even if you don't have cooking skills, making baby food is very straightforward. Very simple. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So and that's then, good. And, yeah. And then from there, it, you know, as, as the children started getting older to, to the point that you were talking about with flavoring the food, yeah. my, <clears throat> my kids would challenge me. Mm -hmm. They would say, dad, you know, they, they so-and-so had, you know, I love making dessert, right? So I'll just use that as, yeah. a, as an example. So-and-so had a, had a Twix bar. What does that even taste like, Dad? And I'm like, well, you know, the, the truth is it tastes like a lot of chemicals. But, <laughs> but, but, but what it tastes like is heaven. I mean, it's you know, you get the caramel and all the stuff, and they're like, well, can I have that? And I was like, well, you know, we should learn about it, and then if you want to try it, then so be it. I said, but you know, would you like me to try and make it? And they were like, yeah, yeah. So. Right. I know what it tastes like, so I went through and and yeah. found a way. Now, it's all about you find, and, and this is I think is a key point for anyone who yeah. it doesn't matter if you know nothing about cooking, find a recipe, right? Mm -hmm. Learn about food. This is how I actually created the the art of food, a dairy and soy free experience. The mm -hmm. first cookbook I made, um, it was along my it was really uh, my journey for, with my kids. Yeah, right. It was it was creating a recipe based on what they said they liked that I made that day, right? Yeah. So 
Um, in fact, that spicy salmon that I made you the first time that I met you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That 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 actually came. That's in that book. Actually. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, you know, they they would create a challenge. I would make the food. They would say thumbs up, thumbs down, maybe you know, and then I would modify. Yeah. But the key is 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 you learn about foods. Like you know that that white sugar is not good. What's a good substitute? Well. You know, if you're still going to do a sugar base, maybe coconut palm sugar. It's got mm-hmm. good dietary fiber, lower yeah. glycemic, right? The way that it functions in your body is different. So it's still sugar, but, you know, that might be a good, easy change. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a raw dish, maybe use raw agave. But here's an important factor. Let's just take a um, – you open any raw food, just about cookbook, right? Mm-hmm. And you pick a dessert and you look at it and – the one thing I learned when I became a raw food chef is that there's a high tendency for way too much um, sugar. Yeah. Whether it's agave, whether it's coconut palm sugar, whether it's maple syrup, whatever. Sugar. It's too much. Yeah. So just figure whatever your recipe is, look at the sugar amount, cut it in half. Start there. Yeah. Right? And then you can go lower or slightly higher, but always cut it in half because it's just way too high. Yeah. You know? No, agreed. Most of the time it's that it is. Yeah. And it's and science is pretty clear, right? Excess of anything is bad, but sugar in particular wreaks havoc. So we don't want too much of that. That's for sure. Especially um, within activity. So let's swing back, Michael. We got yeah. the Hosha Wu, right? Yep. That was the 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 Jing one that you suggested. Then we talked about the astragalus. Yep. Um, and then we talked about reishi and then reishi. you said, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on as far as three, the, the three things that, you know, these are three that you take. Those um, are three easy ones, three yep. easy ones. And this should, we should just add in this note too. When you, if you go to dragonherbs.com and you like talk to, um, you know, Ron Teagarden's company, they have acupuncturists and herbalists who actually work and you can consult with them on the phone and they'll guide you yep. to herbs you can buy. So Michael is not just giving you just a straight definitive, like one shot for everybody. This is what he does, right? This is what you exactly. do. But these are very accessible, um, you know, herbs that, that are easy to find, especially through through this website to, to get them and to incorporate them. So in any case, keep keep. Yeah, going. yeah, and and initially less is more, right? Yeah. And of course, we you know, um, um, you know, and I'm always open to you know when people call into uh, over at foodhealing.org, we, you know, we'll we'll spend time talking with people too. But but yeah, if you're going straight straight herb route too, you know. If you can't get a hold of me or something, also Dragon Herbs for sure. I mean, they they'll give you a good fifteen minute consultation. Yeah, hear great. what you've got going on. They're yeah, it's, it's awesome. They're yep. very cool. And um, so we live in a day and age where stress is just rampant, right? Yeah. We live in a day and age where anxiety seems to be the the key term nowadays. Oh, and to the point got that something like wrong in terms right. of stress. Yeah, it's everyone's yeah. high. So, so here's a here's an herb that is cost effective. You keep it with you, keep it in your back pocket, keep it in your purse, whatever. It's one of the few herbs, as you know, most herbs take time, but it's one of the few herbs that is fast acting. You do notice a difference. It really helps center you in. It's a shen tonic, um, and and what it is, it's been studied for centuries. Um, and I often share this write-up about it too, but it's been studied for centuries for dealing with severe anxiety, um, great depression, severe, lo- you know, uh, major suffering from loss and things like this, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's called Albizia shendrops. Mm. Right? 
the Albizia shendrops is a, is the bark or is is the the root and the and the stem and the flower. So right? when you when you call it the Albizia shendrops, that's the title of the. That's the, the title of the tincture. Oh, that's yep. the title of the tincture that you can get yep. at Dragon Herbs. And it's just Albizia, but it's all three parts of the Albizia. Okay, and the Shen is S-H-E-N. So people, if they're listening, Correct. you know, Albizia, Shen drops. Um, okay, so that sounds like a nice, like, go-to it's, where it's got everything in there. That, it's great. It's yeah. calming. You know, it's, it's almost like having kava, 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 without, um, without the potential of too much drop or too much like, Ugh, yeah, you know? right, right, right. Cause you can overdo Kava Kava. The whereas, out, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas I'll busy Shen drops, which by the way is, is on a pretty big sale. Um, I, um, at, at foodhealing.org. I have all that stuff. Um, cool. all the herbs are on a, yeah, okay. there's a lot of big stuff. And, and I am doing, uh, with, with foodhealing.org, uh, over the next six months, I mean, I'm getting more and more active, mm-hmm. um, with kind of trying to give people insights and, and share, this knowledge i've been getting harped on by people for years now about yeah man you, got, a, you gotta apparently i know of it so i'm you, supposed to share you, it you gotta you gotta produce content that's the way it goes yeah <laughs> yeah and so but we're we're i just had a photo shoot done for all of the products so over the next six months i'm i'm changing out images um i'm adding more information on there and i'm um the next step after the images are finished being uploaded um i'm doing little mini two to three minute videos um, that will be linked from YouTube over to the site. And oh, so you cool. can watch, um, yeah. Great. And it'll be like, who is this for? Why did I choose it? You know, the sourcing and whatnot, who is it for? And, yeah. um, and how to use it, right? Two, three minute, boom, Great. quick. That way, if you don't want to read or whatever you got, this right. is one. Right. And I think it's, it's relevant to note here that obviously as people are listening to this, you guys can see how easy it is to get lost in this information because there's so many different directions to look at it. Um, you know, I mean, I went to, you know, I have a master's degree in Chinese medicine. Some people don't, doesn't mean they know less. It just means that th- this is a universe <laughs> to study this stuff. And you do have to just, you know, take small bites of, of knowledge and, and look at things, you know, don't feel overwhelmed because I think uh, people hit overwhelmed with this stuff. They're like, wait, it's just too, Easily. it's just too, it's too much stuff. It's too much right. information. There's just overwhelming, uh, you know, I, I want simpler you know, approaches, which is why I was kind of getting you down to like, okay, what are some basic herbs? That, so yeah. what's this look like in real time that, you know, you take, yeah. um, so certainly, yeah, and, and there's a, and there's a great, there's a great base, right? Yeah. Um, yes. if, if you just bought this one thing, right. Buy spring dragon tea. If, if you're going to just do one thing, yeah. spring dragon tea, it's, it's cheap. It's like, um, I think I've, I think I even have it on sale on the site for like $6 and some change per, yeah. per box. Right? right. And each bag does a couple of servings of tea. Right. right, and it has the gynostemma in there, right? The, it has gynostemma, the magic, the magic grass, right? Right. Yep. They call it so. It's called jiaogulan, um, you know, in, the, in the, the the Chinese context, and it's like it's a green tea that doesn't have caffeine. They call it the tea of immortality. It's amazing, and it's good for lowering cholesterol. It does some amazing things, but jiaogulan or gynostemma pentaphyllum, I think, is the like the Latin, which I always yep. like. I like that word. Um, <laughs> But it's a it's an amazing it's, one of my favorite herbs and yeah so the spring dragon yeah. tea from uh, from Ron Tea Garden site has it has gynostemma uh, pentaphyllum in there with a, I think like th- a few different herbs right it's like a couple yeah, it's, a couple it's others. Got, it, yeah it's got that it's got astragalus is in there oh, it's got nice. shizandra right shizandra uh, is a great single herb that does all three treasures right right right, right? It, it enters all all the meridians it, you know it 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 has all the five tastes right yep. so it's it's an amazing, that's a great one. That one's definitely a hundred day. 
women especially love the flavor of that one because it has a tendency toward the yeah. bittersweet direction. Right, um, right, right. You know, yeah, and that one, excellent. So, Michael, swinging back, because I've had this question asked to me quite a few times, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. So, we're, you know, we're kind of dancing between like food, herbs, you know, we talked about some of the things, processing. Um, so, you know, you talked about food, you know, re- removing some things from your diet, right? To see how you feel, right? Doing the elimination Start with approach. Dairy right out of the right. gate. So, like, Soy. P- pull those things out, right, of the diet. Um, you know, and, and we established that you need to have a hand in the processing of your food, right? You need to, like, know, know what's going into your food. These are baselines for people to, like, think about when they're approaching food. Um, be willing to explore. Right. Be willing to experiment with different dietary proclivities. This is like the way we can kind of orient ourselves towards health. But right. people ask me this, right? When we're talking about food, um, I had just a, one of my closest buddies asked me this as of two days ago. He's like, look, man, he's like, I love your content. I love what you're seeing. You know, I like hearing and, and, and learning. He's like, but how, how for people that are on a budget, right, that are, that have, that are just tight with money, right? And, and that's a reality for a lot of people who have like a regular job. Uh, my buddy's a bartender, you know, he's doing other things, but it's, it's, he's got that and he's, you know, he's, he's working to make money, but there's, he doesn't have a huge budget. He just doesn't at this stage. Things could always change. And let's be real, tonic herbs can get very pricey very quickly if you have a Absolutely. ton, you know, for or, sure. And, and organic food and all these things are expensive. So sure. what's your baseline um, with food, not herbs, but with yep. food? When you, when people are on a re- very tight budget, what's the key strategy that people can can adopt or take when they're approaching this to not break the bank, but to yep. also start moving in a forward direction that's positive and, and that's healthier? Yeah, I think that that's excellent. So, well, first off, recognize that protein is not just from meat, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have to go. Most people's budget heavily falls uh, when they go to the store falls out from from the meat purchase mm-hmm. because so so that's one thing two stores are are interestingly set up health, you know like more of the healthier food stores like fresh time or or uh, uh you know whole foods and stuff um, yep. but they're they're kind of innately set up that if you walk the outer perimeter yeah right yeah you're usually going to do pretty well that's where, all, that's where all the best food is on the perimeter. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so so walk the perimeter. Get your vegetables in. You can have, you can take purple cabbage. Oh my God, purple cabbage is amazing. High yeah. L-glutamine, right? Uh, it's just so nutrient dense. Yeah. Makes you feel amazing, goes a long way, and it's super cheap. Yeah. Right? You know, and what's cool about, um, about, you know that particular one in particular, right? Is that you can heat it up and and saute it in coconut oil with some with some Celtic salt, and it's mm-hmm. going to bring out some amazing flavors and so get really too. bright, simple, yeah. And or you can shred that up and and make a slaw or or have it, and it tastes amazing that way too. Right. So you can have it both as a raw and a cooked, because it's also important to note that fifty one percent. If you eat, they, there's a science thing on this that if you eat fifty one percent of your daily diet. I don't know why it's at 51, not 50. 51% of your daily diet, if it's raw, it turns off the pro-inflammatory gene. Mm. But if it's 50 or less, um, it your pro your pro-inflammatory gene is turned on, and mm. thus, you know, you're you're producing more inflammation from right. different stuff, right? Right. Um, so that's kind of important. But yeah, walk the outer perimeter. You can easily, you know, and here's the other thing too with organic foods. 
there's not a huge significant price difference between organic food and non-organic food when it comes to the vegetable world. It's like it's the meats that get expensive. Quickly. It's the meats that get expensive. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if you look at – just to give an example because um, I was just at the butcher shop the other day. So like if you have uh, conventional baby back ribs, right, which mm-hmm. is just a rack of ribs, which is just you know meat, uh, that was – it's about $10 for a rack. Then if you go to the what you would call the organic pasture-raised pork, that's the same amount of weight, right? It right. was about $21. It was like double the price for yeah. – and mind you, yes, it's a healthier animal. Yes, there's some – you know, it's a, it's a cleaner source, but it's also $11 more, and that's a lot of money. So we, we you have to be mindful of these things when we're, we're navigating like proteins. So what are some alternative Wait. proteins? What are what are some proteins? When you said proteins, beans right come to mind, obviously. Oh, amazing, uh, yeah, amazing source. They come, yeah, and just and, and soak them, right? Yeah. If you soak them, you cause them to sprout. You sprout them. Next thing you know, you're right right at that sprouting yep. purpose. Out now, the digestive inhibitors are released. So yep. you're not going to get that stomach upset. You're not going to get, in most cases, the gas issues. So um, it seems like a reasonable strategy, then, right, for the people that are on the budget, uh, yep. that are tight with money, to say. Okay, reasonable. Out of seven days, maybe make two or three of your days, um, you know, non-meat. Like go, like get get some get some beans in there, and you're gonna. I mean, because if you do three days, you're that's a, almost half the week. You have now yeah. just cut out meat costs, right? So switching well, switching over to like yeah, having beans and beans and some quality uh, rice, you know, or whatever your thing is. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. and here and here's and here's something to to, to complement that, right? You know, we talked about how how quality meat. You know, is really expensive. In in knowing what I know about how the the meat industry, how they raise them, the the conditions that they're living in, the types of we'll call it substance that they feed them, mm-hmm. these different things, I would rather not ingest that at all. If I'm hungry, I'm going to eat nothing and drink my water since I can live 35 days right mm-hmm. on average without food. So I can definitely go a day right without a problem. Um, before I'm going to eat that kind of meat. So what I would say is this, since we know that there are a large variety, I mean, in America, we eat way too much protein. Yeah. You know, traditionally, right? Um, that that's, that seems to be the general consensus. Mm-hmm. So, but here, but here's the thing, because we can get protein from foods, because we can get them from goji berries and we can get them from all these different yeah. um, options, have, buy the quality meat, buy less of it. So buy grass-fed, gra- grass-finished yeah ground right or Mm -hmm. or you know whatever the case is um free range non-hormone chicken or whatever whatever you're going to do whatever your whatever your meat is right right? yep find the best option and even if it's the even if it's the lesser quality of say a grass-fed grass-finished beef Mm -hmm. as long as it's grass-fed grass-finished you're at you're at a a plus and it ends up being cheaper and then you're being cost effective but have the meat be the accent to the dish Right. versus the way Americans have a tendency to do it. They have the meat with the vegetable as the accent. Make the vegetable be your brilliant – I mean, man, you can get creative and fun and easy and quick with vegetables. Yeah. Yep. Have some fun with – grab some – You know, we sell um, hand-cracked cashews from Indonesia that are organic and raw, right? Never machined. They freaking taste like butter, right? Grind some of that up. Sprinkle it on top of, of, your, mm-hmm. of your vegetable dish, whether it's cooked or heated. doesn't matter. Right? You put it on top. You could easily make – my daughter and I just made the other day a um, a cashew, super cheap, super amazing tasting, a cashew um, uh, apple cider vinegar honey Dijon dressing. 
Oh, it sounds okay. great. Yeah. It was amazing. And here's what we did. We took a head of purple cabbage and we shredded it up. This, mm-hmm. this whole meal took like eight minutes to make. Right. Um, and, and then had two days worth of meal, you know, right. so we took a head of cabbage, shredded that up. Um, and then we took, um, a bunch of carrots, shredded those up. We took some beets mm-hmm. and shredded that up. And of course, beets are very earthy tasting and stuff, right? Yep. Super amazing for your blood, right? Yeah. Super anti-cancer, right? The, the betaine and stuff that's in there mm-hmm. is amazing. So we took that, shredded it in there. And, um, and then we took cucumbers and shredded some of it in there and then chopped up nicely some of the other. And then we took some avocado, and um, for the portion that we knew we were going to eat that night, we took avocado, opened that up, and it didn't have to be, you know, avocados don't have to be organic and stuff. They just get Haas avocado. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and we put that in there, stirred it in, and then we took, for the dressing, we took a small amount of cashews, like it was like a uh, half a cup, I want to mm-hmm. say. Um, and then we took... Uh, I, I could give you the recipe, but it was like two tablespoons of, of no. um, apple I, cider vinegar. Yeah, but it sounds yeah. like, I mean, it's a simple mix, It was right? real simple. A, a teaspoon of, of uh, honey Dijon mustard, right? Yeah. A little bit of salt, right? And some olive oil and some water. Boom. Blended that up. We had an amazing creamy sauce. You put that on top of it. Now you've got a raw dish that was satisfying. You had yeah. amazing fats from avocado. You had yeah. a huge nutritional profile from, from the vegetables that were in there, Yeah. right? And and you walked away energized, non-lethargic, right. satisfied for hours, yep. you know? And it was fast and cheap. Yeah, and you bring up a good point that we have to think about when we're, when we're shopping on a budget, and this is the thing that people forget, is that when you start cooking your own food and you start making your own food and you actually buy quality ingredients, you'll be amazed at how much less food you actually have to eat. Yeah, that's, that's, yep. that's like people, I've had buddies tell me that where, you know, for more or less, you know, they've, they've been eating poorly, you know, in, in their life where they've been. And then they, they'd come to my house. I'd make them a fresh salad with like dill and arugula, you know, and some ginger and like whatever. I'd make yeah. some tasty, you know, really delicious meal. And they're like, half a cup of salad and like half the amount of meat I would normally eat and I'm full like they're tapped out because it's just nutrient dense so this thing of of when we eat bullshit food and we eat garbage food collectively uh, the food is doesn't have the nutrient profile that our body is asking for so we eat it and that's why we can eat fast food and people are like like you said you know an hour later they're like I want more junk food because right. their body's like still hungry, kind of. Right. So there's a piece there that we that you got to think about. So when we when we backpedal just a hair, you know, for the budget, we've got like doing less, right? Less meat, right? Way uh, less meat. Way that less would be meat. an accent. Um, you know, having the fifty one percent of your diet potentially. Well, you say you were talking about raw, but you were saying like fill your plate with vegetables, basically, right? Have like yeah. meat be an accent. Um, so yep. so then that's going to cut your meat cost down. And then what else, Michael? Like what else are you seeing Asp- in terms asparagus. of like? Every day, Uh at at least five days out of the week, have asparagus, right? Mm -hmm. We are in in this society, people don't drink enough water, Mm -hmm. right? And here's a fun one for people with water, right? Mm -hmm. You, and try this for yourself, right? Because each person is a little bit different, but try it for yourself because it doesn't matter what I tell you, you're going to know when you do it, right? You're supposed to, and of course, there's huge debates. So of course, certain water people would try and have an argument with me, and I don't really care because try it, it, you'll know. Your body will tell you, right? But you should be drinking half your body weight in ounces of water per day, but here's the key. 
sipping it. Mm-hmm. Okay, not chugging. Your body, it. not chugging. Uh, if you do a workout, whatever water you drink during that workout, feel free to chug it. It doesn't count towards your water intake. So it's water in, water out. It, it's a wash. Right? Yeah. So half your body weight in ounces of water, sipping it from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. The key being the sipping it because your body can only absorb a sip of water at any given moment. Mm-hmm. So if you take a sip, which is like taking a straw and a little, you know, that's like, right? So you take a sip, your body takes that, it disperses that to the blood, lymphatic, vital organs, right? And of course it goes from succession, vital mm-hmm. organs out, right? When you take a gulp, your body takes that sip, does that, and the rest of the gulp goes straight to the bladder. Hence why people who say, I drink a lot of water or I can't drink that much, half my body weight in ounces, you kidding me? I'll be in the bathroom all day. It's because if you're gulping, Right. And and incidentally, filling your mouth is a goal, right? Yeah. So you take that in, now you're having to go to the bathroom because it all went to the bladder. Right? right. Well, that taxes the kidneys. So in Chinese medicine, that's where the, the drinking too much water becomes a problem because people are gulping and now you're you're rushing through your system all yep. this water, which demineralizes your body, it taxes your kidneys to have to process, right? Mm-hmm. Put some strain on on the gallbladder and all this stuff, right? All these different aspects of your body have this um, discord, right? Yeah. So sipping it, if you do that, you're going to notice that in, do it for a week, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just be really diligent. Keep water. I mean, I carry this, a lot of people try, Oh, you got your wine with you, right? I don't yeah. do that. Right. This is water. I keep, this has this nice little carrying thing. It's on, people know I'm in the room and know it's me no matter what hat I'm wearing or whatever, because I've got those water bottle. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing of it is, is because if it's on you, you'll drink it. Yeah. If you carry a small little water bottle, you know what happens? You might still be drinking it, but you're going to drink it really, really slowly. Yeah. Why? Because you have that uh, subconsciously in the back. There's this. I only have this much water. I got to make it last. Right. Right. Well, and let me let me let me tie this back. Right. Because it's like I said, this is easy to tangent on this stuff. Um, yeah. Does this explanation tie to the budget question, or is this just a side tangent? To, well, that 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 piece was a side tangent, but but the astragalus or but the uh, asparagus does because it's a budget friendly one. If because it doesn't have to be organic. Uh huh. Right? It's great if it is, but it's budget friendly. You don't need a lot. Right. Um. And and saute it in a little coconut oil with some salt. It's cost effective, and and the bigger part of why it's cost effective is because it gives you a lot of bang for the buck. Right. Right, kidney health. Right, keep that going. Kidney is the seed of jing. We want to support the kidneys. Right. Okay, so that's good. So we've got like, yeah, you know, eat less meat, load up more vegetables, um, be willing to, yeah, you know, do like you said that, you know, the plant proteins uh, shift over to, to beans. Include asparagus in the diet for people that are on on the tight budget. And are there any other things that leap out at you quickly in terms of you know, getting improving diet but with you know keeping that budget piece is there anything else that like comes to mind that you're like yeah you know that's really important also you know if i getting it from the from the store if if i can jump off from the store for a second to still be budget conscious for people yeah that will give them a lot of benefit it's not going to be from the filling your belly standpoint but it's cost effective and should be and it is a food i'm Mm anti-soy but natto is fermented soy. Mm-hmm. Fermented soy is a beast all of its own, right? Yeah, um, it is. Because you lose all of the goitrogenic uh, properties and stuff that, that are impairing us from regular soy. Mm-hmm. That goes away. 
And what about the what about the estrogenic uh, profile? Does that diminish as well? Because that's a with big Nato. with Nato, yeah. Because so for people that are you know, if you're listening to this, soy, the big um, contention and the gripe that people have with it, and that it's t- touted in studies, is that it's estrogenic, um, which means it can it can throw off the estrogen production in the body. So particularly not good for men, um, and it has bad implications for women too. So they they say don't make soy, especially GMO soy, a staple of your diet, but which is, yeah, right. Um, but then also when you ferment something, right? This happens with other things we ferment too. There's a kind of an alchemical magic that happens when you ferment things. There's new bacterias that grow that are good um, and predigest the food. So this natto that he's talking about, which is N-A-T-T-O, correct? N-A-T-T-O, yep. Yeah. And if you really want to go deep into it, I have, I've created a site called nattopowder.com. Great. Beautiful. All one word. Beautiful. Huge information there. Yep. Great. Yeah, and so the natto um, essentially is just a fermented soy product. It's like a powder. It's kind of a kind of salty-ish. I mean, it's not. Um, it's I don't know what what's the like how yeah, would you describe natto, it's but it's salty, bitter in, in its in its natural state. Yeah. The way that the way that it was done in Japan right. for centuries, right? It almost it almost looks like a rice krispie treat. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's gooey. It's gooey and, and sticky. Yeah. And sticky, and it's stinky. Right. It's very stinky. Right. Um, and it's and the and to eat it that way, no one really likes eating it that way. It, yeah. It's like it's it's like I'm eating medicine. That's what I'm doing, right? Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I've I've been really fortunate to in my studies and my research and, and sourcing and stuff. I've been really fortunate to have befriended a scientist in uh, Canada, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Um, and him and I have worked together for years now. We have a great foundational relationship. We both have the same thought process on what we want to help people with throughout their lives mm-hmm. and, and leave this world better than, than what we found, right? right? Be a part of the solution, not the problem, right. you know? And um, he created a, a, a baseline utilizing old traditional Japanese methods of mm-hmm. fermentation of natto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what he does, and, and so Bacillus HU58 uh, is derived as a result of, of this natto fermentation. Now, mm-hmm. just just a slight cap off, Yeah, you know, our gut health is hugely important. We, yeah. that's, if you're going to spend money on one supplement, right, have it be either via through the natto and or through um, this probiotic that I would suggest because it's bacillus strains and that's very important. Yeah. So this is great though, man, because they, if you're talking like, you know, the, the budget and you're having to talk about this food that has tremendous bang for its bucks. Very. Um, and so when they take this the, with, with the natto, um, you know, what's the basic way to make it uh, palatable, you know, like, so like, this is, yeah, this is what's great about it. When, when he ferments the natto, then he dries it mm-hmm. and then powderizes it. Right. right. So you can, and just, what you, yeah, so so it's easy absorbed into everything. Yeah. What's great is that I've tried tons of different nattos out on the mm-hmm. market over years, right? And <clears throat> including a powdered nattos. Mm-hmm. And um, there are powdered nattos that it doesn't matter what you add to it; it's just nasty, right? Yeah. And it's just bad. What's great? He uses the base is is non-GMO certified organic soybean is what is what he starts with the ferment. So you're starting with quality stock, right? Mm-hmm. It's not crap. And then yeah. it goes through the process. And what you end up with is there's no getting around the smell of natto. It has a smell. Yeah. Okay. It just is what it is. It's actually more milder than than most nattos that I've smelled. It's kind of mm-hmm. mild, but um, this natto has like a 
a soft, nutty flavor to it almost, right? Yeah. And so that's what's great about it because you could take it by itself and it's like it's medicine, but yeah. I'm taking it. It's quick. You only need um, – you know, depending on what the per- if someone's dealing with osteoporosis or something, I'm going to say do two tablespoons a day. You yeah. do one in the morning, one later in the day. The reason for that logic versus doing both mm-hmm. is that so that you never peak and valley. You stay right. consistent. And that's right? one of the things that should be noted here because it's common yeah. knowledge for you and I. But not a, that's one of the things that it's used for is the degradation of bone, basically. So yes. when people are like having osteoporosis. Nato is through the charts. Plant force, K2. Yeah, K2. That's like the big, um, you know, the vitamin in there that really does the work. So Nato, yeah, is, is it's an amazing, amazing food, that to say the least. Well, those are good, Michael. So that's that gives a good baseline for people to kind of plug into, you know, some of the yeah. things like on a budget to like to peel back. And I'll add to this too, you know, when you're, um, you know, like when we're on a budget, I think – that I think it's better to simplify meals too. I think I think when, when when people get yeah. into you know when you go to a recipe online and you'll be amazed at how quickly um, what you would call exotic ingredients that can really throw you off quickly because you're like I gotta buy <laughs> kaffir limes and I gotta buy saffron and I gotta buy yeah no and it's like simple is better yeah simple less ingredients are better <laughs> you know so and that what that what that looks like in real time you know with my clients is I tell them. Um, you know, stick to some key basic fats, you know, either like the coconut oil, uh, yep, you know, grass-fed huge. ghee, a little grass-fed yep. butter. Uh, don't yep. cook with olive oil, but that's a good fat. Keep those in there. Um, so have your fats, have quality salt and pepper, you know, some Himalayan yep. salt so you can season your food well appropriately. And then keep things, you know, keep things simple. If you're going to saute, you know, like get good with salt and pepper, you know, get good yeah. with seasoning your food with like the most simple ingredients first. Um when 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 Kai and I were living together at the treehouse in Santa Cruz with my buddy Paul, we yeah. we spent for I mean no joke for two years straight we would make baked chicken and all we would do is salt and pepper for two years yeah. and we just played with the variations of like what if we do it at four hundred or three eighty five for th- right. you know, for forty two minutes instead of forty and the science we, of food yeah man. we just played with yeah. that and it was a ama- it was like I mean just groundbreakingly good salt and pepper on chicken and it's people will try to get too crazy so yeah if you're on a budget you know less is more like you know less 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 ingredients um get good with salt and pepper and eat simply you know like you know if you if you eat rice you know do rice with the appropriate amount of salt a little fat you know have your have your piece of fish or or your beans you know, keep things simple. Cook the asparagus in, in coconut oil, coconut and you'll oil, be yeah. amazed at how tasty food is with just salt and pepper. And then you can always grab, you know, move out to like adding a little garlic or a little, you know, some other things that you want to get the flavor profile of. But start simple. You know, don't make these grandiose meals. Get your baseline. And typically, that people have to get into a rhythm. You know, when I would tell people to, if they're on a budget, you have to approach your food um, in a disciplined way, right? Like. When, when people get up and work muscles, right, they get up and they, they're like, okay, we're doing back and tries today, you know, or if they work out that way, but they're, there's a schedule. And I think, especially when you're in a budget, you do have to kind of discipline your eating habits. You're like, okay, yeah. like this week I'm buying brown rice and I'm going to have brown rice uh, a few times this week. I'm going to have that thing. And then you can always switch to sweet potatoes the next week or whatever, if you, you know, if you're doing carbs. Yeah. But I think it's just that idea that, you know, regiment your food, like think about it, like keep it simple. Keep it direct. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate the process and be willing to repeat a little bit because you're going to have to. On a budget, you, you know, do. You, you, you do have you, to repeat. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't go. Variety is not cheap. Variety but, you know, is here, expensive. 
It is. And here's another cheap one to buy, right? Huge important to have, especially during this time of season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, zucchini. Yeah, zucchini. Zucchini's amazing. If you have a spiral slicer, you can make zucchini noodles. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the kid is. I don't care what they eat or whatever. If you make a zucchini noodle and yeah. you take some sauce and you throw that in there, they will not know the difference, right? Especially if you shave. Now, I, I'm not a proponent of shaving the skin because there is nutrients in the skin. But yeah. for the purpose of getting them to eat it that first time, shave yeah. the skin, spiralize it into noodles, yeah. you, and then serve that. The reason – I don't know why, but if you slice zucchini, it tastes like zucchini. Mm-hmm. You chop zucchini – it tastes like zucchini. If you noodle zucchini, it tastes like noodles. Yeah, I think it's the surface area, man, because yeah. it's so narrow. Um, I think that the flavors just penetrate. It's not a thick thing that it has to penetrate. It's like, it's just, there's nowhere for the flavor to go. So I think whatever it's cooking in, it just gets that. And they right. are tasty. You know, they're, they're super delicious. Yeah, and it's great to use. I wanted to touch on on three things that you had said too. One with the salt. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm 100% on board. You know, simple, simple, simple. Um, the Himalayan pink sea salt is awesome. What I have found from mm-hmm. all the cooking that I do, I carry two salts and I sell both salts. Um, the Himalayan pink sea salt, fine yep. grain. That's what I use and, too. Yep. And, yep. And then the Celtic sea salt. Mm-hmm. And I now sell the fine grain instead of the chunky, right? Here's why. They're both super cheap. I sell them. I've actually been able to beat Costco on pricing. Wow. Hey, hey, now. That's not say, right? Yeah, I'm always about trying to make it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very hard. Um, But what I wanted to do is is say this. With the pink Himalayan sea salt, it makes for an amazing table salt. Yeah. It's so delicate, right, that it's easy to get lost in the food. And then before you know it, you're adding a lot of it, Mm -hmm. right, Um, and kind of crossing a threshold at some times in order to get that salt flavor. Um, So use it as your as your accent. Mm-hmm. Celtic sea salt is more stable in a heat environment, and so you end up with more um, of that robust flavor with needing a little less of it. And the yeah. mineral compact uh, complex is different between the two slightly. Yeah. So both great to have, both cost effective. I mean, you're talking about a couple of bucks for a pound, right? Yeah. Which will last right. you a while. Um, I loved that you talked about the coconut oil. I, I primarily cook with coconut oil, mm-hmm. but I do I do agree that when you're if you're looking at oils to cook with, coconut oil is number one, um, and then butter would be the second one, right? Because it's also a saturated fat mm-hmm. and and will melt and then come back to form, and yep. so it'll protect your food better. And I think it's great and important that you mentioned that if you're going to do that, uh, a grass fed Clarified butter, right? A glass, a grass-fed ghee mm-hmm. is is important because then you're getting the best option there, right? It's all about the best option. Yep. And, and and I loved how you touched on the olive oil. Yeah. Olive oil is amazing. Yeah. You should have it in your diet every, yeah. you know, all the time, right? It's it's it does so much for your vitality, for your skin, for just just in general to help with elimination and things like Absolutely, that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But you're absolutely spot on. Never cook with it, right? Yeah. If you're if you're a diehard Italian, right? Yeah. Great. Those are the people that, that make they, your pasta. Yeah. Right. Make your pasta, and then right before you serve it, dab it in there, right? That that low heat that it's already in with, that's fine because it's not going to break right. down. Before you're adjusting it. Right. right. And a, and a little right. note on the um, I did a I did a solo talk on this actually on Facebook a while back, but we touched on I touched on the same point, which is 
you know, the, the, like how you sidestep with this and get around this a little bit. So people, when you're, the, the, the big key is you don't want olive oil on a hot metal skillet because when the oil touches the metal, um, olive oil is super delicate. So it will smoke very quickly. It becomes then carcinogenic. And then it's just, you're eating rancid, essentially oil. That's just not good for the body. So the thing is like, yeah, if you're doing uh, pasta sauces and they've, they've done some research on this, if you have a barrier, right? So you've made your pasta sauce right your red sauce and you can have meat in it or whatever you're going to have and even while it's warm you know that last five minutes you can add that oil in and and the the food acts as a membrane basically between that and the skillet so it's it it doesn't it doesn't get carcinogenic right but you don't want to have high heat you don't want to be sitting on metal or yeah add olive oil at the end right right do it at the end of the cooking when the thing's off the stove and you can stir it in um, so it's you can definitely get around it. It's just people are used to cooking with it, and it's not yeah. it's not the most it's just not a good fat to cook with. I mean, across the board, the hard stable fats are the ones you want to like exactly right. lean towards, and the healthiest of the hard stable fats, yeah, like what we're talking about, the coconut oil, grass fed ghee, grass fed butter, um, and grass fed ghee has a higher smoke temperature than butter, right? Because right? the right. butter, if butter. you if you guys that cook, you'll know this, right? You put butter in a warm skillet or semi hot, turns brown pretty quickly. That's right. the, that's the dairy solids cooking, um, and then the flavor changes of the butter. So b- butter is sort of for like medium heat. Um, ghee is for like high heat, as is uh, coconut oh, oil. Okay. Those yeah. are like high smoke point oils. Um, they're very good for cooking. You know, walking and doing all the walk type stuff that you like. So yeah, and I'll, and I'll share I'll share a, a, a fun, inexpensive, quick recipe from this book that I'm working on. Right. So I, I'm. I'm creating the second version of Art of Food, right? Mm-hmm. And this time it's uh, Art of Food, um, uh, uh, Art of Food and Tonics, right? Um, and this way you're getting, I'm, yeah. I'm, it's going to be a, a well robust book. But in the meantime, I'm actually um, do, a section of that book is going to be, I might even just pre-release it. And so I'm going to oh, give cool. you a recipe out of that, right? And it's and it's 20 minute or less meals that are healthy, well-rounded for a busy lifestyle. Great. Because that's the other big thing, right? It's it's cost. Time. And then time. Time. Right? And so let's make it where you can eat, eat flavorful, have everybody like it, and yeah. and be fast and efficient, right? Yeah. And so one of the recipes I had out of there, you know, who doesn't like uh, a stuffed bell pepper, right? Mm-hmm. But traditionally, a stuffed bell pepper has to be grains, right? And mm-hmm. some people are like, look, you know, I hear you saying the rice and stuff, and yeah, it's cost effective, and that's great, but... I don't really want to do rye, grains. My body doesn't feel good with it or, right, or right. You know, maybe I have an allergy to it or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I was messing around one day and I, I wanted – I was making some of the same things, you know, the pastas and all these different things all the time. And I was like, yeah, I, I just want to do something different. And yeah. I took a pound of grass-fed beef, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I took red bell peppers. Now, red bell peppers are a hot topic right now, right, because of the, the um, benefits – of the pigment of the red bell pepper and yeah. the nutrient value of it, right? So it's definitely one of those um, cost-effective, especially nowadays you see it on sale a lot. It's a cost-effective um, vegetable. Definitely get it in your diet. You can julienne it and saute mm-hmm. it in coconut oil and salt. Simple. It's and great. It's tasting like butter, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Amazing to do. Simple, fast. Um, uh, but you can also do this other thing with it. And incidentally, where – it's great to have that be organic. Just a side note, again, can be cost effective because you can do that non-organic and veggie wash it because of the thick membrane yeah. that's yeah. on it. You can yeah. wash that off and it's not waxed Beautiful. like an apple would be. So you can, you know, you can do Beautiful. that. Beautiful. 
But so core it out, right? Get a little pot of water going. This will help speed up the cooking process, right? Get a little pot of water, start getting it to a boil. And you're gonna take your red bell pepper, core out the center, pull out the, the seeds, you know, um, and that set those aside and while the water's boiling. And then what you're gonna do is take the, the um, um, why am I drawing a blank, uh, for the noodles, the zucchini. Uh-huh. Um, take the zucchini, spiralize it into noodles. Mm-hmm. Ideally you have a spiralizer. Nowadays you can get one for like 10 to $15 at even like Walmart or something like that. Yeah. So Amazon you sells can them do too, it. yeah. Amazon, yeah, you can do it cost effective now. It used to be expensive, it used to be mm-hmm. like 40 bucks. Now 10, 15 bucks. But spiralize your noodles, uh, and then what you're going to do is fine chop them, mm-hmm. right? Just chop the hell out of it. It ends up being like little rice grains, yeah, right. But it's zucchini, mm-hmm. so you're going to take that, throw that in your bowl, um, add your your sauce, kind of mix it in together, right? Then um, you're going to be in a separate thing cooking your your meat, right? And just get it a little bit cooked. All you're doing is adding salt, maybe a little pepper, yeah. right? If you want to get a little more creative with it, maybe you've got, you got you went to the store, you didn't buy a container, you just went to Mariano's or Fresh Time or, or something like that, and you yeah. bought a, a little baggie that you put, you know, a dollar's worth of garlic salt in, right, mm-hmm. or, or or garlic grain or or, um, sure. or celery salt or something like that, right, and pinch, pinch, done, right? Yep. Cost effective, easy to have. You don't need to have it be this big expensive $20 jar, right? Yeah. You know, a little bit because it doesn't take a lot. So maybe you add a little of that in, but just salt is fine, right? Yeah. Get that gently browned. You don't need to cook it all the way, but just get it browned, you know, and then you're going to add that into your sauce, excuse me, with your, with your zucchini chopped, right? Mm -hmm. Mix that all together. Now, while that's being mixed, you're going to take your, um, your bell pepper, submerge that in that boiling water. Yeah. Now, this only takes 30 seconds or so, um, and basically you're kind of almost braising it, right? You're you're causing it to do a, a, a quick, almost like uh, almost like flash freezing it. You're flash yeah. heating it, right? Yeah. And it causes it to kind of open up like you do when you go in a hot shower. Your pores are kind of opening up, so it's kind of like, oh, I'm yeah. supposed to be relaxed, you know? Right. And so then you, you get it out. Be careful because it's hot, right? Get the water out of it and stuff it. Put it in your little tray that you're going to put. And meanwhile, your oven was heated up to about 350. You can go higher, you know, depending on your time frame. You can go as high as 400, especially if you pre-cooked all this stuff. Yeah. Right? Fill it in. Make sure you put a little extra sauce on the top. Make sure, ideally, you're you're spending the extra dollar if you're not making the sauce yourself. Which you, in my first cookbook, you can do a, a homemade sauce for really cheap. Um, yeah. And have a ton of. But right. for all intents and purposes, yeah, staying with just the yeah, <laughs> yeah, simple ingredient at the yeah. store, right? Yeah. Um, less is more. So if it costs you a buck more, but it doesn't have soybean oil in it, right. and it doesn't have a bunch of stuff in it, yeah. great, right? Yeah. Um, so put a little bit on top, put it in the oven, right? You're cooking it for about 20 minutes, um, you know, longer if you need to. Sometimes, yeah. it, sometimes it's done as little as 15 minutes, especially when you braise the the, um, the thing. But now you've got a well-rounded meal. That the accent is still the meat, because mind you, for a family of, of three people, right? I'm yeah. using one one pound of meat, correct, and several zucchinis and a one jar of sauce, right? This is cost yeah. effective, and five or six bell peppers, right? Yeah, no, it's great. Fill man. it up, boom! Now you're you're satisfied. You feel good. You're energized. You've got lycopene from tomatoes. You've yeah. got olive you got, oil. You got all the goodies, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Well-rounded, fast, efficient, tasty. You got your salt to garnish on top. Yeah. Go. 
Well, this is good, man. This is good. This is a good place to kind of wrap up because we could be here for a long time, but we'll have you back on and we'll get into some of the other topics. But this is good, man, because this gives a framework just for people to plug into in terms of, you know, basic ideas to approach food, right? You know, the processing pieces we talked about, um, some ideas around herbs. And so I think just as people, as we wrap this up, I want people to just really think about this, that, that, you know, the, the context of what we're talking about here is that food and herbs basically play a pivotal role in how we express life, <laughs> you know, how we, how we navigate this terrain. So the stuff that Michael's talking about is really important in terms of just our baseline health, right? God, you know, don't eat bullshit. Don't get processed food, you know, keep the ingredients simple, um, you know, start playing with tonic herbs and keep these things in your life and then see how, see how things go. You know, that's, that's like the yeah. big, the big thing, but be, be patient with yourself because these processes and this information is, is a lot here. You know, there's a lot to, to, to dive into. So, yeah, man. Yeah, and, just, and, yeah. and, and if, if I can throw in just two, two little things, yeah. if, if, if you start, start simple, right. Mm-hmm. You know? And so if, if the Chinese herbalism seems to be like, okay, I'm not quite ready for that or, okay, I'll do a stragglers or, okay, I'll do reishi. Reishi is a great one. Right? Yeah. But, um, but really consider doing the natto. Go to yeah. the nattopowder.com, yep. right. Or go in through my foodhealing.org site um, yeah. and go to natto. But because besides the bone, I just wanted to throw this out there, right? And you can read about it when you go to it. But yeah. one of its biggest claim to fame is the vitamin K2 for the bone health, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And 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 it really does work. I can tell you a yeah. ton of evidence where I've had people literally, doctor says eight weeks healing, they're done in three. Right, right, you know right. I mean? Yeah, and, and black sesame seeds and all these things play a role. But I wanted to point out, Natto increases stamina and energy, right? Um, it helps with uh, the heart and the bone. It really helps with all systems of your body. It helps remove toxicity. It helps with the anti-aging process, right? Right. Um, and it's helping with the gut health. It, it lowers, because of the bacillus strain that's in there, um, it lowers the ghrelin level mm-hmm. and thus helps your gut-brain connection, which also helps you understand your body, your belly says, hey, we're good. Yeah. And your brain then gets that signal and says, oh, I don't need to finish eating this, this plate. I'm, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Whereas when, you're, when you have leaky gut and things like that, um, all of a sudden you're finding yourself, you don't have nutrition assimilation. So even if you're like, man, I'm eating really good, but I still feel like crap. Yeah. You might have leaky gut, which is pretty prominent. And as a result, you're not assimilating the nutrients that were in that food. It's just passing through. Yeah. Right. So we want to improve the gut health. We want to improve. And Natto Natto does this. And Natto does this. Right. So which is the takeaway is that like Natto should be definitely considered when we're talking about this stuff right getting getting the baseline health uh baseline foods into our diet that's great man i dude thank you for for doing this and for your time and just you know going through this and we'll we'll talk more again so if people want to find you michael where do they find you uh you know and are are you on instagram are you on social media what do you what what can people find you yeah so so i am i'm i am addict i'm Daily trying to do Instagram posting, uh, okay. whether it's recipes, whether it's quotes, whether it's product. Um, but that's at um, foodhealing.org, spelled out, dot org, uh, underscore. Okay. Back. Okay. Uh, that's Instagram. I am on uh, Facebook at foodhealing.org. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and then of course, you can also find me through Michael Bouvier. Yeah. Um, our website is www.alloneword, food healing.org okay so foodhealing.org 
The informational site for Natto, which you can link to from foodhealing.org, mm-hmm. is nattopowder.com. So N-A-T-T-O powder.com, um, all one word. Um, and then you can always call as well um, at 847-833-4649. I'm always uh, trying to be available unless I'm with a client. Um, I'm always open to sharing insights and information. I freely give out smoothie recipes and things that I've Beautiful. tips and tricks that I've created to yeah. just make life easier. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Make the resources available. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time, man. Thank and you. I uh, you. yeah, we'll be in touch soon. Um, and if you guys want to find Michael, you know, track him down, ask him questions, get on his stuff. So yeah, all right, please man. do. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot, man. Bye. Bye.